Right now, apparently, somebody is driving around in Wilmington, Delaware, with a, multiple people are driving around in various trucks with screens on them, depicting Joe Biden doing very, very creepy things. And this wasn't the lead story that we were going to start with, but I had to show it because it's just absolutely hilarious, especially this one where it says 2020 presidential debate and Joe Biden is sniffing Donald Trump. I have no idea who's doing this. It says, if you can't complete a sentence, you shouldn't be president. (laughs) I'm Joe Biden and I forgot this message. This is not intended to be the, the, the lead story for the show, but I had to do it. We have nothing more to say other than it happened, but uh, I'm glad I got to share that one with you. It made, it made me happy because we're going to talk about, you know, just general stupid news stuff. The mayor of Chicago has basically said no protests allowed at my house because I have a right to defend myself. And it's funny because when initially they locked everything down for COVID, the mayor, Lori Lightfoot, went out and got a haircut or something and then said, well, I have to go on TV. Congratulations, Chicago. You've elected a despot. And all of these Democrat mayors and politicians act like they have supreme authority while simultaneously com- complaining about Trump being a fascist. And I'm just I'm just not having it. But of course, you guys know that's probably why you watch the show. So we've got a, we've got a couple other stories we're going to talk about. We've got a bunch of stuff. I saw somebody mention in the chat there is a poll from a politician asking who's the bigger threat, Antifa or QAnon. And of course, everybody voted for Antifa. And so now she's like, well, that's because I'm being, you know, bombarded by bots. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're, we're, we're going to open up with the story about, you know, basically corrupt mayors. Here we go again. But this is just more examples of, of I guess, you know, the Democrats, they do their thing. They rules for thee, but not for me. But we got some interesting stories, too. Facebook is finally banning Antifa. And we've and, and that's going to go along with the, the Q Antifa thing. And we've also got this story from The Atlantic that's talking about it's like the what, what is it? This, this is your thing. Yeah. So this is talking about how anti-racism is making it pretty much impossible for people to get along, even people who are like conversing in good faith. Because if you read something like White Fragility, you're not going to be on real good terms with someone who makes the slightest misstep. And that's what we see. They use the example of the Zoom meeting where this gentleman bounced the friend, uh, the nephew, a of non-white his friend, baby, a non-white baby on his Uh-oh. knee. And everyone was so triggered. People were leaving the Zoom call and they were wow. like, feathers were ruffled, man. It was not cool. And and they, they wrote a full letter and they all got, got out and argued about it. And, and these people were referring to white fragility and everything. And I was like, this is making things worse. Perhaps it is a recurring theme for our conversations mm-hmm. and guests that these leftists are super racist. Yeah, yes. oh, for sure. Yeah, the story was a reference to it was it was like a school meeting, wasn't it? Yeah, it was school and, council. Yeah, school council meeting, and this guy was bouncing a baby who was not white, and they and, and this white lady gets super triggered. Yeah, and he was like, "It's my, it's like, what do you say? It was like my friend's son or something." Yeah, it's it's it was his best friend's nephew. She handed him go. the baby. She's like, "Here, will you keep an eye on little, <laughs> you know, Isaac or whatever his name was?" Dude. And he's like, "Yeah, absolutely. I'll put him on my knee. It'll be great." There's a song by The Offspring called, uh, man, it's been so long, Come Out and Play. Yeah. And there was this, I was I was reading this Twitter thread once that claimed that The Offspring are super, like, okay, so the, for those that aren't familiar, The Offspring is a punk rock band. They were claiming that they were secretly white supremacists or something because, for one, their songs like Why Don't You Get a Job, yep. it's, it's, you know, from the Americana album, like 1999 or something. Telling people to go get a job and stop mooching right. is not a particularly left-wing, you know, narrative. But the song "Come Out and Play" has a fa- has a line in it that says, "You got to keep them separated." Yep. And so I was reading this Twitter thread or something, and it was like they've always secretly been. Anyway, I, I bring that up because we're we're actually now at a point where the left is literally trying to keep everyone separated. 
Yeah, it's so in strange. In the creepiest to me. way. And and to me it always looks like a little bit of projection and I see it with Lori Lightfoot too especially because she's one of the ones accusing Trump of being a fascist dictator, but she's the one saying rules for me all of them for the i know garcetti uh, de blasio cuomo Mm -hmm. yeah so she went on cnn apparently recently and she was like you know oh uh, trump's a fascist or whatever this is all his fault and it's it's like dude this is you're you're you went out and got a haircut when nobody could do anything you're 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 using police resources to block your own street de blasio using police resources to guard his his painting i tell you what man i have no respect for the cops that just say uh okay i'll do whatever you say even if it's illegal that's 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 insane to me. So we, we've got that. We've also got some stuff on schools because there's obviously a lot of really creepy stuff happening with schools. So we'll end up talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. No, sorry. Go ahead. I'm oh, listening. yeah. I'm just and uh, uh, yeah. we're going to we're going to write on Lori Lightfoot a bit because I got to tell you, I'm glad I don't live in Chicago anymore. If you have not already done so, you can give that like button a good hearty smash and feel free to hop in with the super chats because we'll, we'll try and grab some super chats periodically. This is, you know, the show's a little different because we have less people and we're not going to have guests every single day. So today, it's just me and Lydia. We're yeah, hanging chilling. out. And we're going to be talking just about some of the stories that we've seen throughout the day. And a lot of it is is kind of cultural issues, which is a bit different from, you know, my main channel stuff, which is more like straight news, like here's something that happened. But we are going to start with this story from the Tribune. So by all means, hit that subscribe button. And we do the show Monday through Friday at 8 p.m. But check out this first story. This one hits close to home. Citing threats. Mayor Lori Lightfoot defends ban on protesters on her block. I have a right to make sure that my home is secure. Now, this story is particularly funny because doesn't everybody have a right to make sure their home is secure? They do. And I decided to do a little digging, not particularly difficult. And over on the NRA website, they actually have an article they wrote from just three days ago. Chicago's Mayor Lightfoot hammering away at the Second Amendment. I find this particularly hilarious. Hmm. At a time when she's telling you, you don't have a right to protect yourself. We got to get the guns off the street. And she literally, this is amazing. She is amazing. She says that Donald Trump, I'm sorry, she says the federal government was uniquely qualified to help with Chicago's gun problem by enacting common sense gun control. Yet when Donald Trump offers actual resources, I get it. She's probably talking about Congress. But when Trump comes out and says, I can help with the gun violence, she says, no. I want the federal government to do something like enacting gun control. Yeah, she doesn't want help. She wants her political agenda. Yep. And this, 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 is, this has been Chicago as long as I can remember. That I, I don't know how true this is because it was something I heard when I, when I was a kid from my dad. The local politicians all have, they either have armed security or they're armed themselves. They could get guns when no one else could. Well, there was like a Supreme Court ruling forcing all these states to recognize you, can, you, you can't do this. You can't ban these weapons. Chicago is forced to actually allow people to carry weapons in response. All of these businesses started putting up no guns allowed on the doors of all of the buildings everywhere. Hmm. So, you know, we look at this story and I'll start reading in a second, but this is a perfect example of using city resources to guard her home while telling everyone else no guns for you. And then what, what happens? Chicago is all the, all the people who are, who are dying to gun crime. I mean, these are, these are the people who are committing this. They're criminals. There are guns in Chicago for oh, sure. There's a lot of them. Oh, yeah. So you've got these criminals that are going around not caring about the law, killing people, and regular citizens are the ones who are punished because of it. Yep, that sounds about right. Sounds Chicago. Let's read the story. They say, Mayor Lori Lightfoot defended the Chicago Police Department's ban on protesters being able to demonstrate on the block where she lives, telling reporters Thursday that she and her family at times require heightened security because of threats she receives daily. Lightfoot refused to elaborate on, on the specific threats, but said she receives them daily against herself, her wife, and her home. 
Comparisons to how the police department has protected previous mayor's homes, such as Rahm Emanuel's Ravenswood residence, are unfair because, quote, this is a different time like no other, Lightfoot told reporters. I think that residents of the city understanding the nature of the threats that we are receiving on a daily basis, on a daily basis, understand I have a right to make sure that my home is secure, Lightfoot said. Lightfoot and Chicago Police Superintendent David Brown were asked at an unrelated news conference about a Tribune report noting police have banned protesters from demonstrating on her block in the Logan Square neighborhood, ordering officers to arrest anyone who refuses to leave. The directive surfaced in a July email from then Shakespeare, uh, Shakespeare District Commander Melvin Roman to officers under his command. It did not distinguish between the peaceful protesters Lightfoot regularly says she supports and those who might intend to be destructive, but ordered that after a warning is given to demonstrators, it should be locked down. I absolutely love this because she's talking about how she gets death threats. Yeah, okay. If, if you get threats and you want to have a security guard, I get it. You want to have one patrol car out in front of your house? That I understand. We do that for witnesses. You want to have the cops block off your street and arrest anyone who doesn't leave, even peaceful demonstrators? You're a hypocrite of the highest order. Yeah. All I, of- I can't even wrap my head around uh, how hypocritical she's being. Even from going to get a haircut at the beginning of this, I started to think, wow, this lady really, really does not believe a single word she says. Well, and she absolutely does not. That's all of them, isn't it? At this point, I have no faith that any of them actually believe what they're telling us. It is, but she's especially egregious about this. I feel like she's really, she does not care. I don't know why I mean, not. I think because there, there were a bunch of other governors and mayors who went out and got haircuts. Yeah. And I think she was the first. I don't know because I, I think Whitmer did it. Mm-hmm. These people, man, they're, they're, how do you describe them? Fascistic despots? Don't give these people power anymore. I mean, this is, this is insane to me. Activists and police sources could not cite instances when the city repeatedly locked down her predecessor Emanuel's block against protesters. The Kenwood block where former President Barack Obama lived with his family when his primary residence was in Chicago was shut down for access only by residents after his election. But Lightfoot said such comparisons don't make any sense after Brown referenced the ongoing coronavirus pandemic, as well as civil unrest that may have flared since, George, since the George Floyd killing at the hands of Minneapolis police. I'm not going to make any excuses for the fact that given the threats I have personally received, given that, you know, I, I get it, I get it. I make no apologies whatsoever for this. Doesn't she sound just like one of these Twitter whiny SJWs? She absolutely does. Yeah, like, well, you know, your words are speech, so you should be banned. I'm allowed to say whatever I want because I'm fighting for justice. See, when it's me, it's different. When it was those other guys that were actually not, still still not particularly good, like Rahm Emanuel. Right. It's, it's, these, these people who are running are probably the worst I've ever seen in terms of saying whatever they have to say to get whatever they want. Do you think that's the case or do you think that the coronavirus is just bringing this out? Because I'm starting to think it's the latter. I think that they're, because I've, I've thought for a long time that any kind of crisis like this will lend itself to fascistic leaders who really want to capitalize on it. But Trump's not doing it. He's not. It's true. And, and they're complaining about it. Hmm. Yeah. So I guess that shows they, I mean, I feel like it's kind of beating a dead horse to say, but they project. Oh, absolutely. They're the racists. There's the despots. And they're pointing the finger at Trump and the Republicans and screeching while we literally, I mean, look at this article. What journalists could deny this? The Beltway SJW left, I guess, yep. that hate Trump. I'm reading a Chicago Tribune. This is like one of the, this is the premier Chicago news outlet. The Tribune is, is famous. 
saying straight up the mayor is, I have a right to make sure my home is secure. I mean, you do. And so do the rest of us. So here's what I try, here's what I, when I wanted, what I wanted to do. When I saw that she was doing this, I know that Chicago is extremely restrictive. Illinois is extremely oh, restrictive. Yeah. I said, who better than to tell me about the laws in Illinois and Chicago than the NRA? Now, not, not, never been the biggest fan of the NRA, but I'll, I'll, I'll state straight up. I, I became a member of the NRA and another gun rights advocacy group because now I own weapons because I don't believe that I can trust these people to take care of me. I don't believe the, that the police have the, no, no disrespect to the police in general. But when, when someone tried breaking in here, one of the cops straight up said, if it were me, I'd answer the door with a shotgun. Of course. And I'm like, I don't know if you can do that in New Jersey. Cause well, this is, this is like a semi castle doctrine state. My understanding is that in Jersey, you have to flee. Yeah. And if you can't flee, then you can defend yourself, which is kind of just like normal self defense, I guess. Yeah. I but guess. there, there are some states that have nothing. Yeah. Yet. Like there's no laws at all. I guess it just falls to self defense. But anyway, so I go to the NRA website and instead of finding, I mean, they, they do have the map of the country and like the different gun laws. Quite literally, one of the, one of the, uh, most recent articles is that Mayor Lightfoot is hammering away at the Second Amendment. To me, that's fascinating. I don't think this is, whatever, whatever it is they're doing, it's not going to stop. You know, t- like taking away weapons from law-abiding citizens is not going to stop crime. And I think that's completely obvious. Right. And I got to admit, too, my, my opinion on two-way, like, veered straight right after, after starting with COVID and then the riots. It started with the guy trying to break in. Yep. And then some, somebody made a meme. And it was... You, you, the, 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 you guys have probably seen the meme of the two dogs. One's super ripped and one's all whiny and scrawny. Yeah. And then it was like Tim Pool in 2019. And it was a scrawny little like you know, sad dog saying, help me, please. Someone's trying to break into my house. Or it was like, someone's trying to break into my house. Help. And then the next one was all ripped with a bunch of guns. And it said, Tim Pool 2020. If you vote for this, you get what you deserve. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, you know what, man? Talk about a wake up call. Someone tries to break in. Mass riots. Pandemic. And... What am I supposed to do or say, right? Well, and it's not just you, because we've talked about this a few times because people are buying it up. And I think it was Austin Peterson who was saying, you're four months too late to be picky in any way about the kind of weaponry you get. Ammo shortage. Yeah, dude. Gun shortage. Gun shortage. Yeah, makers the, are running out. The the local gun shop near us, they're, they're stripped clean. They yeah. put a bunch of squirt guns in their display case. It's actually <laughs> really did. funny. It's, it's awesome. just empty. It's all It's all empty. And I was talking to them because I had, I had a bunch of recommendations for, you know, per, like really good self-defense weapons, handguns and stuff. They didn't, they, they were sold out. Yeah. I think they had, I'm not, I'm not a gun person. So forgive me if I get this wrong. 1911, a couple yeah. of those. Mm-hmm. Is that what it's called? I think so. And they have, and then they had like a really massive revolver. Yeah. But uh, that was, that was, it was basically that barely any. I mean, and now I'm reading ammo shortages and all this stuff, but I'm sure people outside of Chicago are going about getting legal weapons. Yeah. Mayor Lightfoot, however, doesn't like the fact they have gun violence. There's been a big uptick in crime in all these major cities, which most of you know by now, and she's blaming it on the massive surge of gun purchases. It's been interesting to watch all the articles talk about they make the direct link between the increased number of guns being purchased and the increasing amount of gun crime. And I was oh, like, this yeah. is this is faulty. This is a this is incorrect. Because I'm sure it's George who's forty five and concerned about his three kids and his wife. Right. And they're living just, you know, on the outskirts of the city, so they went to get personal protection. And that's the cause of criminals shooting people in New York City. That was what made George do it. He just went absolutely insane the second <laughs> he bought that weapon to defend his home and his wife. It, is, it, I think this is how many of these uh people like Lightfoot must think that a sane, rational person, you know, George is a plumber 
And, you know, he, he comes home from work one day and he sees the news. So he goes out to buy a gun. Then as soon as his hand grips the, the you know, the, 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 he, as soon as he picks it up, just all of a sudden he starts shaking. His eyes glow. <laughs> yes. And then he just goes on a rampage. Like, that's what they think is happening. Yeah. I, I, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of gun advocates who know all this stuff way better than I do. But especially now, because with the increase in crime, with the massive surge of, 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 of sales, I'm certainly being thrown straight into the, you know, the deep end. Yep. Cold, cold water, just right in. But it's, it's not legal gun owners that are doing anything. And you know Lori Lightfoot knows that's not the case. She knows people don't go crazy as soon as they purchase a weapon. You know how I know she knows this? Because she's hired a whole bunch of them to surround <laughs> her house and to keep her safe. That's, That's what literally she does. their role. It's it's shockingly hypocritical. I love how she says that she wants the federal government. I mean, this is it's, it's the gist of the story from the NRA. They say Mayor Lori Lightfoot has consistently demanded more gun control as the answer to the epidemic of violence that her city is experiencing. In an interview on July 18th, for example, the mayor was clear: the only way we're, we're going to really get at the problem in a profound way is to have federal laws in place that require background checks and strengthen the penalties for people who pick up guns and wreak havoc in our communities. Okay. I went to go buy a gun. Yep. It took me like a month. Yep. And it, I wouldn't call it hard. I would call it tedious. Menial. Is that the right word? Yeah. Lots tedious. of like um, busy work. A lot of busy work, paperwork, bouncing back and forth. And then there were some, you know, holdups. And apparently I'm on some delayed list or something. Yeah. It's really funny. I don't know if I care a whole lot. Recently, James O'Keefe, who many of you may be familiar with from Project Veritas, he tried to go buy a gun. Turns out he was on an FBI list falsely, you know. So he filed a lawsuit. He won. Congratulations to James. He can now go buy a weapon. I found out it, it takes me like five days to get cleared. And the shop told me that it's always delayed my background check. But and I was like, I don't know if I care. Like, that is weird, though. I'll buy it. I can wait five days. I'm not freaking out. But it is weird. And when I see things like this, I'm like, what, I don't, I'm not entirely sure what she's talking about, about background checks because I had to go. It was crazy filling out all these forms for the federal government, not just the state. I had to, I had to fill out this form for the feds or whatever. Yeah, you basically have to do everything twice, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, because New Gosh, Jersey's yeah. nuts. Oh, yes. I guess they call uh, New Jersey one of the evil seven or something. Yeah, the, it's not good. It's one of the worst states for this. Oh, definitely. And I actually filled out the paper, the same paperwork you did, and they never got back to me. Wait, I went what? and I was fingerprinted and everything. And I know I'm out of, I'm from out of state. My ID was from out of state. No one gave me any static about it at the time. They just never got back to me. So well, I actually need to follow up with yeah, them. Yeah, you should they do just that. like kind of let it fall into a black well, hole. It's really cool because I got my, what, what is it? The federal license or whatever. Mm -hmm, yeah. I, you, there's so many people in the chat who are probably like, Tim, this is what it's called. And I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's all right. <laughs> but I, but I, went, I went and bought a gun. Yes. I, I, a bunch of them actually. We are uh, equipped. Yeah, we are. And so anyway, back to the story this is what I love. She's talking about the federal government needing to enact these gun laws, when in reality, the problem is criminals who are already breaking the law. Like you have you, you have laws in Chicago. You have criminals who have broken the law in Chicago. Making more laws won't change the fact these people have already broken the law. I don't understand what she's trying to say. It just makes no sense. Except for the fact that she's, you know, look, these people in Chicago are, are rather despotic. I love that word, by the way. I do, too. Despotism. It's, it's very fitting for this year. Yeah, despotic. So this is, I, I love to, to, to go back to this one. Oh, man. Mayor Lori Lightfoot, I don't need leadership lessons from Donald Trump. Apparently you do. Lie detector test proved that was false. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. I think she actually does. Take a look. This is from uh, the Situation Room. There she is. Got a little Biden for president behind her. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see that she's supporting mm -hmm. that. She says, that's just ridiculous hyperbolic rhetoric. 
He is at a race to the bottom. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot reacts to President Trump using the line bloodstained sidewalks of Chicago on the campaign trail. What we have here is a fundamentally what we have here is a fundamentally failed leadership on every major issue. I'm sorry, man. No, it just mm -mm, is mm. she referring to her leadership or his? I hope she's referring to herself. Yeah, that would be surprisingly self-reflective. The other night. Um, from uh, most of you who, who caught the show the other night, we had Jack Murphy on. Yeah, and Jack's from Chicago. I did and not realize that. About yeah, neither him until did later. I, I. Forgot. I, I. I'm pretty sure he told me before, but and a bunch of people here after the show are all from Chicago. Yeah, and it was really funny how all of us are no longer in Chicago. Indeed. And I know it's not for all the same reasons, but I mean, for me, and I can, I, I'm pretty sure at least one or two other people. It's it's it, look, the food's fantastic. Right. What, what one thing Chicago does right. You know, you look at what does what does L.A. do? They got Hollywood, they got acting and stuff. New York, I guess they got finance. Chicago's got food. Yeah, tell you, they got hot dogs, they got Italian beef, they got jardinera deep dish pizza, cheesecake, mm, Garrett's American popcorn. American cuisine. Yeah, but the violence is too much. Yeah, I've been, I've been, uh, I oh, I you know, I was in South Korea once, and this is a really funny story. I'm from Chicago. Yeah, everybody knows it because I bring it up all the time. Huh? Uh, yes, that's right. I'm a mixed race high school dropout from the south side of Chicago. You've heard that one once or twice. Yep. And I remember talking to some people from South Africa who were in South Korea, they left. And they told me, it's not as bad as everyone thinks in South Africa. I've only been carjacked like five or six times. Whoa. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? Whoa. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, if you it's know, what you're used to. I'll count my lucky stars yeah. that uh, that's not Some my experience in Chicago. But I've had people who have been, you know, I know people who have, uh, I know a lot of people died. Uh, maybe not a lot, maybe a, a, a handful in Chicago, people I grew up with. And, you know, more like friends of friends. And then I remember, I'll hear these stories and like, man, did you hear? Yeah. 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 Uh, some, it's just senseless gun violence for sure. But these are people who are already breaking the law in a city with, you know, the cops got a bad reputation. They do. They have some corruption. Yeah. To put it mildly. Yeah. Some crazy, crazy stuff. And I think, I think Chicago only ever elects corrupt politicians. Why is that? Do you think? I don't know, man. The a legacy of like Al Capone. Or something Maybe like that? so, yeah. They're trying to carry that on. Maybe, you know, in, in Brazil, they did this thing called pacification to the favelas. The favelas are shanty towns. Mm -hmm. And so there's a really interesting thing about Brazil. And this, this is what they told me when I was down there. The rich people lived by the beach. And so the poor people were forced to climb the hills. Oh. Whereas in many other places, living on the hill is for the rich people. It's fortified. It's safe. You can see everything. But... You know, living by the port and being on the beach, I guess, when you're in, you know, Copacabana or something, it's preferable. So you end up with these shanty towns where people are literally building on top of each other. And eventually what happens is because it's, it's kind of crazy. Somebody would build a house and then someone would walk through that house to build a house on top of their house. That's how crazy it is. Oof. Yeah. Sometimes it rains and the houses just wash away. Oh, my gosh. But they've been they've been trying to fix them. And they call it uh, pacification or rec reclamation mm -hmm. because they've just kind of let them do whatever they want. They've, they've formed their own leadership. And so they had these different groups. The, like, um, I think I was corrected the last time I talked about the Bope. This is like a tactical SWAT squad. Like these are the guys with the skull balaclavas oh. going in and pushing out the gangs. Are they the ones that use live ammo? I believe, yeah, they're all using live ammo. Wow. I bring them up not to suggest we do anything like that. Heavens no. But it's interesting how Chicago has done nothing in all of its all of this time 
to literally like nothing, literally nothing. It's like you don't got to go like like Brazil marching in the, the stormtroopers with live ammo and rifles around corners with a special training. You send in some cops and, 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 and you, you stand in some street corners and you, you talk to the community leaders. You have some meetings. You ask them, you know, what they think is appropriate. But for whatever reason, maybe Chicago does that. Maybe they do. I don't know. I did an interview with this woman who said the problem they have is illegal gun uh, guns and it, it's difficult for them to legally own guns. And she was, this was really interesting. This was a, a black woman who was advocating for gun rights in the black community because she felt legal gun ownership would protect people from random gun violence. And that was, that was a really interesting Got take point, coming yeah. from the city. Yeah. Well, I, I have, a, I have, I think I have more respect for the alderman in Chicago than I do for like made, uh, Mayor Lightfoot. I think that she's a little bit crazy, but the aldermen seem to be like on the ground with the people in the communities. Was that kind of your experience? I mean, I never met my alderman or whatever. never really met him. Because I remember when this first went down, the aldermen were like beside themselves. They were talking to Lori Lightfoot. They were cussing her out on these Zoom calls. And I was like, you tell her because... The audio leaked. Yeah, someone needs to talk about this. And they were like doing it. It's because she doesn't care, in my opinion, about anyone in that city. But I really don't. I mean, look, look, look at this. This is, this, this is the story we are referencing earlier. <sighs> Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot defends hairstylist visit amid coronavirus outbreak. I'm the public face of the city. I'm on national media and I'm out in the public eye, Mayor Lori Lightfoot said. I don't care. I have a point to make about Lori Lightfoot's hair, and it's not going to be very <laughs> complimentary. Her hair needs a little more than a hairstyling, I'm afraid. I don't I don't know. I'm sorry, lady. I, I don't have the greatest hair either, but going out for a hairstyling in the middle of a pandemic after you told everyone else not to do it is just disgusting, honestly. Like, give me a break. She's all in all just kind of a bad person, I guess. Yeah, I'm starting you know, to think but, so. But, but hold on. Oh, hold on. To be oh. fair, I can throw it to New York City. Oh, okay. Mayor de Blasio's wife is branded a disgrace. Yes. For having a staff of 14, including a $70,000 videographer who filmed her baking cookies while crime soars after $1 billion NYPD cuts and trash piles up on the streets as 22,000 city uh, city job face the chop. I jobs. love their headlines. Oh, that's the Daily Mail. Yeah. But so, so this is the question I had for you because I've, I've heard people talking about this. I was like, you know what? My initial assumption, Bill de Blasio is rich, isn't he? Yeah. He's a landlord. He owns multiple properties or something. He gets like eight grand a month in rent. Yeah. I don't know how rich he is, but I was like, so what? So he hired a bunch of people for his wife? Yeah, so I looked this up, and this is city money. They're spending over a million dollars a year for her little staff. Oh, despotism. Is, yeah, more despotism. So it's really nice. So I, I'm glad that they're giving Lori Lightfoot some competition, but this is not really what I wanted. So is Garcetti. Yeah, it's it's everywhere. Man, I had a friend hit me up that uh, he left San Francisco. Yeah. And I asked him, you know, what's going on? Industry's gone. The city is just wasted man so it's it's i think it's funny when people say it, it's not an issue of the democrats it's that bigger cities tend to be run by democrats and i'm like okay how does that change what i said no that changes <laughs> nothing right 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 and 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 the, and the citation i have to use is san diego yeah so I, I ended up looking into uh ballotpedia it's this excellent website that tracks you know electoral politics and stuff i was looking at the top sites uh, uh i'm sorry the top cities for crime and the top cities per capita. And I think per capita, there's, I don't, I think there's like one Republican city. I could be wrong. I'm not sure if it's per capita or not, but uh, it's, you're basically not going to find 
Republican cities that are managed this way. Yeah, as I recall, there was there were two Republican cities and then one independent run city that were kind of on the level of any of these Democratic cities. And I was like, there must just be a difference in the way Republicans manage things because this isn't the same. It's not on the same level. I don't understand how people stand for this. I, I really don't get it. I mean, to be fair, I'm leaving. Like we're 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 packing up shop. I got great news, everybody. The the upgrade is happening. Good we news. finally you know landed this deal, and it's like Ooh. now we're 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 good to go. But you know what? I am leaving, which means you know what may happen in cities like New York, where everyone's already fled. In places like Chicago, where people have long fled, the only people left are the people who like the status quo, and the status quo is violence and corruption. So you look at New York City, and the middle class and upper class people are gone, mm-hmm. and now all that's left are people who just vote for the, the corrupt government officials. Chicago, with all the violence, I mean, I left a long time ago. Maybe the problem is people like me refusing to stay and vote these people out. Yeah, you know who, So Sorry. When I leave Chicago, then I'm not there to say no. When I leave, you know, New Jersey now, I'm not going to be here saying no, no to Governor uh, Phil Murphy. Yeah. Is that his name? Murphy? Yeah. That's an interesting point because I was watching Will Witt because he lives in California. I read one of his tweets and he said, I am staying here so that I can make a positive change here. And I was like, you know what? That's really brave. I can appreciate that. If you have a platform and if you have a way to make a change where you live, maybe that's the right approach. I don't know. And I encourage people to get out of the big cities. But at the same time, it's like, maybe there's something to staying and trying to make a positive difference. You turned red again. Did I? Oh, tomato lady. Oh, nice. We, 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 we fixed the camera. We did. I swear. Whatever. It oh, happens. I don't know. We're going to have to fix the camera again. Naturally so red. you guys who are watching, you get to see uh, tomato face Lydia. Tomato lady. So I, I think what all of this is there's an overlap here. We have, we have another story that I want to get into because this also has to do with schools and then we can segue into schools. But what gets a lot of these people elected? They whisper everything you want to hear into your ears. They tell you all of these great things about diversity and inclusion, social justice. We're here for you. And you know what's crazy is that once you give someone something, it's impossible to take away. Oh, yeah. So you have people who become gradually more dependent they become dependent on the system. So I've, I've been a big fan of social programs, government social programs, 100%. However, we do them wrong. Oh, yeah. The way, the way I've, I've always described it is, you know, at some point, something happened where the, the analogy is you got a cut on your arm. And so what do you do? Well, you clean it. You put a Band-Aid on it. Then eventually you take the Band-Aid off, you clean it again, and you put a Band-Aid back on it. So you got to keep checking on it, removing the Band-Aid, cleaning it, see if it works, and then trying to get it to heal again. What we do in these cities is we just keep slapping more Band-Aids on top of a festering gangrenous wound as it spreads and gets worse. Right. Interesting. So yeah. what, sh- what should we do instead? See, my, my issue was that I feel like a lot of the stuff was done at the federal level when it shouldn't have been. Like, And I think Lori Lightfoot is completely wrong. I don't think that gun control like this in her own little tiny city should be legislated at the federal level. Tiny like, city? It's, you know what I mean. It's, it's not the United <laughs> States of America. Right, right, right. She's, a, she's a little bit, I feel like she's just pushing her own agenda because she is much better suited to talk to the people in her city about making positive changes to reduce gun violence. No, what I, what I see this as is somebody who is like, I want to have power. Yep. And what do I need to say to get it? Unfortunately, like I mentioned, people like me would leave when I see, you know, look, how many, what is it? Like three of the past governors of Illinois went to prison. Some, <sighs> some stupid number. 
Yeah. And then and then I remember uh, someone. Some, so uh, I was telling the story. I think I was telling the story the other day about these politicians in Chicago. This guy who, who was trying to like manipulate me or use me or something for his real estate development. I don't know. They, they they were floating this idea that I would run for alderman in a hip in a hipster area as a young skateboarder who could attract all these young people. It was just floated to me, and I was told by you know my my family, all of the aldermen are in prison for corruption. Whoa. Like don't don't get involved in Chicago politics. Then I have a completely wrong impression of Chicago aldermen because the ones that I heard the mo- the loudest ones I've heard were just yelling at Mayor Lightfoot, and they're like, "You're doing this all wrong." I like I like that they yell at. Lightfoot. Yeah, absolutely. It was this one guy, I forgot his name, but it was a leaked audio recording, a phone call where he was like, she was cussing at him. And he was like, why are you cussing at me? I'm telling you, like, you're doing it wrong, blah, blah, blah. It was about the rioters. They raised the bridges. The rioters, you know, flood into the neighborhoods. And he's like, keep them downtown. Look, if, if it's like you send them into neighborhoods. They go and smash up residential properties. That's people, where people live. It's like, I, I get it's bad no matter what they do with vandalism. Like, no matter what they're breaking, it's bad. But wouldn't it better? Wouldn't they be better off downtown? Yeah. Not for her financial interests. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the so here, here's what I see. I see a bunch of people who have been empowered, and this is probably why I think it's 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 connected very much so to the intersectionalist stuff. It's it's almost the same thing. Go to somebody who's not a billionaire, and say it's not your fault. You should be rich, and they go, "You're right, because I'm special." That's right. You are. It's patriarchy. In fact, it's cis heteronormative. What's I'm missing one? Racist, misogynist. Cis heteronormative patriarchy. Yeah, something like that. Is that is it? I'm, I'm missing one of the one of their words. I don't know. Whatever. The point is, it's really easy to go to someone and say it's not your fault; it's everyone else's fault. Yeah. And it's really easy for us to fall back and just accept that because it's an easy out. I think that's what cities cities have been breeding, because they keep promising people things to get elected, and they drive down the path of. We're going to give you more stuff. It's going to come from someone else. And then you end up with socialism. And then the system collapses because nobody's making stuff. And then you start over because after the system collapses, you go into, I don't even want to call it laissez-faire capitalism because it's not really. You know, if you build up a capitalist system, it can function. I'm not, you know, I'm not an absolute fan. I think you need regulations and stuff just for health and, and environmentalist stuff. But after, after, you know, Ukraine's a really great example. After the fall of communism, just a bunch of guys with guns shut up and took everything. Yeah. And so now you have oligarchs. Well, that sounds not preferable. Definitely not preferable. So I think unless something changes, unless people in cities have, I guess, a reckoning, a wake up call, it will just keep going on this path. But I, but mm-hmm. maybe maybe uh, what we see with Lori Lightfoot is exactly the, the, the system in, you know, as it works. It's going to rebound. Yep. I, maybe there are going to be people in Chicago who always vote Democrat, who now see this woman using police as a private security. I mean, listen, banning protests in front of her house is a, is a constitutional violation. This is the feds. There could be a DOJ probe of like 1A violations or something like that, I'd imagine. I don't know how it works, whatever. But I could imagine they, they could do something. Yeah, because she is. she literally says she is not discriminating between peaceful protesters and rioters. So well, that, she just, I don't, I don't me, know if she said that. She's just not saying she said she doesn't care. She, she, she was saying she she doesn't care. If you're told to disperse and you don't, right, you get right, right. rounded up and arrested. Yeah. To me, that sounds like a 1A violation in the making. It's, it's, like, it's, I, I mean, I think she literally just violated 1A. Yeah, I don't the think she threat, cares. The threat alone could deter someone from speaking their mind. Yeah, exactly. So maybe the people of Chicago are going to see her romping about, doing whatever she wants, failing, and be like, that's it. 
we're done. And we could see what happened in, in, in the UK. Maybe the people of these big cities vote red and just say enough. And that's why I, I mean, you look at the DNC, right? I think right now the DNC is happening and, and, and you guys it are is. here because you guys are awesome. And the DNC is they're smart, awful. Yep. Yeah. But I guess Biden's going to do his speech or something. But they, they they simultaneously call Antifa peaceful protesters. And then they say the Pledge of Allegiance. It's it's to me, it's just com- completely hypocrite. It's it's, it's 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 nonsense. It's nonsensical. They have, they have no platform. Yeah, they're trying to pander where they think the audience lies. So when it comes to the national media that tends to be biased towards Antifa, they say peaceful protester a million times. But then when they're doing the DNC, which is going to be targeting mom and pops in the suburbs, they say, I pledge allegiance to the flag. And they said under God. Whoa. Yes, they did. Oh, my goodness. That surprised me, man. Yeah. Do you remember when Andrew Cuomo was like, America's never great? He's in there in the DNC talking about how wonderful America is and how we've got to build back better. Build like, back what is, better. What, what are you building back from if you don't think that America was ever great? What are you going with there? Well, they destroyed the cities, so they want to build them back better, right? Oh, okay. So it's, it's their own destruction that they're, well, okay. I think, build, look, I think build back better is an admission of guilt. I think so. Think, think about it. We, we've seen New York City destroyed. Mm-hmm. They, meanwhile, the, you know, the mayor's wife has this really expensive staff filming her baked cookies. It's the most ridiculous and corrupt thing I've ever seen. French Revolution, okay, man. Not the most corrupt thing I've ever seen, but it's, it's pretty corrupt. And he's, he's talking about how he wants to buy up all these buildings and turn mm-hmm. them into affordable housing. Yeah, he wants to build back better. Oh, yeah, I got in, it. In his mind. Okay, yeah. In his mind. I'm tracking. So check this out. Let's, let's, let's jump over to the, the Antifa story because this one is, uh, I love it. Darlene McDonald is on Twitter at vote, uh, vote Darlene author, activist, keyboard diva. And she tweeted, what is the biggest threat to American democracy? 75,339 votes, 11,000 retweets, and Antifa has 87.8%. And QAnon has 12.2%. And look, these are not scientific polls. No, no. not at all. But they're funny. You know, when when the look, the, 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 the left can't mean they really can't. They, it's 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 a um, inverse proportions. Like eighty percent of the memes on the right work. Twenty mm-hmm. percent are really awful. On the left, it's eighty percent are really awful and twenty percent work. I've seen some really good memes from the toilet paper USA meme thing. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you showed it to me at one point. Yeah, they do this thing where they make uh, Charlie Kirk's face smaller and smaller. Oh, I've seen some of those. I think that's funny. I think that's I, and I have a sense of humor. I don't, I'm not going to get triggered by someone, you know, people making jokes and they've made really funny ones about Ben Shapiro. Right. Like his wife's a doctor. He's memeable. He's that very is true. Memeable. But you know what the thing about the right is they're good sports about usually. Yeah. They, they laugh along and they it's like you have to. You have to laugh at yourself. You have to recognize you're not perfect. And that kind of takes away a lot, a lot of the power of how the memes work. The humor targeted at say, you know, like this, this woman with them posting Pepe memes. <laughs> the, the, the humor here is that, I mean, they get triggered. Right. They get real. And she did. She tweeted based on that poll of, quote, people that is responding. Take heed in President Obama's warning last night. This country is gone if Trump wins reelection. Somebody said, I was wondering about the poll results after I voted. She said it's skewed. They promoted it to QAnon followers. So they're voting Antifa. Obviously, I'm not going to take it down. It's good to use to show exactly how much danger we're in. This is amazing. Wow. The results of her own poll show that Antifa is considered the biggest threat, and she's arguing that it proves her point. 
That's amazing. <laughs> that's truly, that's really talented. You know what? I'm really impressed by this. To be able to look at a fact and say, this the proves opposite. me right, even though it's literally saying the opposite of what I thought. Oh, at the very least, a sane person is going to say something like, I can't tell what's true or not because they shared it to all their followers. Yeah, she could at least have stopped it and been like, a bunch of QAnon people share this. It might be biased. I'm not I'm not convinced and it's now, correct. I, I, I just tell people, I, I really think Twitter polls are dumb. Yeah, they are. Everybody, you know, I posted one recently. What should we call the postal office? Conspiracy <laughs> yes. theorists? Yeah, and it was um, Poanon. And what was what was what was the other one? I don't postal the truthers. One. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then the last one was postal justice warriors. Yep. I didn't I didn't make those up. I saw them and I was like, well, we got to have a single word for let this. Me, let me curate this and take the poll. I do not believe the poll is scientific in any way and proves that postal justice warrior is the appropriate term for these conspiracy theorists. But people thought it was funny. Well, it's a matter of impression too. Much in, in much the same way that asking people whether they think. QAnon or Antifa is a bigger threat. You're asking people what they think. And if they're telling you, I think Twitter is great for getting people to tell you what they think. So in that yeah. regard, I mean, it, it's definitely not scientific. You're not like waiting for anything or anything like that. You don't really know anything about the people. Yes, they are people. They're not necessarily bots. But you get a feel for what people are thinking. You know what I'm going to say? What? Actually, I, say, I think there is some scientific value in that Twitter poll. Oh, yeah? Absolutely. This, this poll was put out by this woman. She only has about 4,000 followers. Who found it and shared it? And why did it go viral? It's because among the left, QAnon is completely irrelevant. Think about it. Nothing was stopping the left from sharing it the exact same way the right did. But they didn't. But they didn't. Why not? Because Q is nothing. Right. I, what, what I mean is the QAnon thing is no threat to anybody. It's it, look, I, I, I don't know. I know very little about it. Trump said the same thing. And the media is trying to make it into this massive thing. It's it's so ridiculous. It's their boogeyman. It's their. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Somebody tweeted like a QAnon member came into a pizza shop near my house with a gun. And I'm like, no, that's not true. That was something else. But they need a boogeyman. They found their boogeyman because you had that one Republican woman who said something like, you know, she thought, you know, I don't know. She said something positive about Q. I don't even know what she yeah, said. Yeah, she's a little. And then Trump got asked about it and he gave a passive non-answer. Right. Because it sounded like he didn't even know what they were talking about. And then the latest thing that happened is that Trump was asked about Q and he said, I don't really know anything about it. Uh, I know that they seem to like me. So, you know, that's great. What, what, what are they? And they all got all the journalists are get out. They get outraged. They got their hair on fire, man. They're all screeching. What do you? What is Trump supposed to say? I don't know anything about it, and I condemn it. Yes, <laughs> I don't know what it is. I don't know. I think that's what they expected him to say because that's what they would do. They don't have to know anything about it to fully condemn it. Like they just slam yeah, it whatever, outright what, yep. without knowing anything about it. That's a good point. It's like the mob doesn't understand why. No, like as you know, it's like fish swimming in a school of fish. You just go along with the crowd. You don't ask questions. You just do it. This is something Carrie was talking about because she was just kind of, we had Carrie Smith on as a guest the other night. She's, she's fantastic. She's liberal for Trump. Yeah. Yeah. So she um she was talking about how being a social justice warrior was kind of absorbing your beliefs by osmosis from the people around you. So to me, that sounds like a school of fish very much. So so then what happens is the the horde of zombies the npcs are all chanting you you guys have seen the meme where all the npcs are all yelling orange man bad so all of the npcs are standing in front of trump yelling the same thing over and over and then trump's response is i don't know much about it i guess these people like me and the horde says but we all know we all agree 
Trump is an other. Right. So they, it's like, uh, you, you ever see that clip from Invasion of the Body Snatchers or whatever, where, what's his face, Sutherland, I don't know, I guess name, he points and goes, Kiefer Sutherland? No, yeah. not Kiefer. I'm not sure. I'm not, not sure who it was. No, it's Donald. Donald Trump. Oh, okay, okay. He points and goes, Rrr! Yes. Yeah, that's what, that's what that. they do. They see Trump and he's like, I don't know what it is. And they freak out. But anyway, I want to go back to that point. This is a really important point. You put out, you put out a tweet and her followers are leftist. Yeah. None of them thought to make it go viral on the left. Right. None of them were unified enough to make this poll go viral so that QAnon was deemed the bigger threat. I think there actually is value in there. It shows the zeal of the right, their willingness to participate. It's, 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 you know what's really fascinating about it is it's, almost, it's very similar to the same phenomenon I was just describing on the left, but it's in a different way. Like the right all understand the game they're playing mm-hmm. and why it's funny. Yep. The left doesn't understand they're in a horde screeching the same thing without evidence. To me, this is very this is very revealing about them because this tells me the truth about them. They don't actually think that QAnon is a big deal because they would share it if they did. Right. And they, they could safely assume that there was enough unity that they would all be able to say, no, this is a big deal. I got to share this. Everybody's got to contribute. I, well, but I think this is what it's showing is the left is guided by the, the left is guided. Mm-hmm. There's quite literally somebody in charge of their opinions. And it's like that. You see that MSNBC clip where Micah Brzezinski said it's our job to tell people what to think or whatever. I remember that. it was it was something like that. You know, you can Google it because uh, um, I'm probably getting a little bit wrong. But it was something like it's our job to tell people what to think. And that's quite literally what happens. That's MSNBC. So the reason they don't share this and it doesn't you know, go viral is because their dear leader didn't tell them to do anything. Right. So they don't. They get there. Actually, this is a little bit like what I was talking about on my main segment today when uh, Donald Trump bought the front page of the Washington Post. Yes, and it was glorious. And these journalists just imploded. Like, some of these people, man, some of them tried feigning professionalism, like, well, I humbly object to this. But others were, like, reeing at the top of their lungs. 30 pieces of silver. Yeah, was be it more, worth the silver Washington Post for selling your soul to Trump? Be more hyperbolic. But anyway, some people were saying it was bad for Trump. That he, that he bought the ad space on the Washington Post. It's, it's like one of the most prominent papers in the country. I think like the second or third most you know, prominent. And Trump bought, when you go to the Washington Post, the whole thing just turns into a video player for Donald Trump. Some people said Trump just gave the Washington Post tons of money to do journalism to call him out. And beneath the ads was all stories negative about Trump, right? Mm-hmm. They said, that's why it's a good thing. And I said, no, you're wrong. The reason why that's not a good thing is because normies go to the Washington Post. People who are looking for their opinions to be given to them go to the Washington Post. And now they're being shown two opinions? Uh-oh. Whoa. The narrative is going to shatter. Oh, man. Now, some of them might recoil in horror and screech because, you know, it's a threat to the hive. But there's a lot of regular people who are like, Kamala Harris is far left. What's this? And they click it. And then they see all this stuff about Joe Biden they've never seen before. And that's why Trump did it. Interesting. It's not the same on the right or on in, in, in independent media. So the way I kind of see it is the right is a meritocracy and the left is a command economy. Uh, uh, it, it makes perfect sense. They, that's the policy they want. It's the government they want. And the right tends to be if the idea is good, it goes viral. And so the right has this advantage on the Internet in that virality among right wing memes only happens if everyone agrees and it's, it's, it's not like there's no vote. There's no argument. It's quite literally you make the meme 
and do enough people think it's good? You know what? That is really interesting because you're basically throwing your meme out there to be voted on. Right. You're like, what do you think about this? Do you think this is true? Does everybody agree with this? Does everyone want to argue with this? Because I like doing that. I'll post memes sometimes. I'm like, I want to see what people say about this. But if it's funny, you'll share it. Right. Absolutely. And so I shared this one meme where it's the guy from the DNC dancing. Mm-hmm. And then the comment on YouTube says, we're going to lose, aren't we? It's perfect. <laughs> it's it's the perfect encap like yeah. of this feeling everybody's kind of having, you know, these Democrats, like they're you're watching the Democrats wake up to how cringy it is. I decided to share that out of all the memes. Right. So this one is getting a ton of traction because it resonates with people. It shares an idea. On the left, they don't do this. And that's why they struggle to meme because someone has to tell them what is acceptable. Otherwise, they'll get canceled. You're right. So it's all it's all kind of a a, a mix. It's it's not just one thing, though. It's like, you know, yin yang. It's these two, two different schools. The right doesn't care about being offensive because if they are, the idea just disappears and no one shares it. If it, if it truly does like bother the greater hive, it doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. Because let's say you have 100 people and they're you know, independent, internet-based, right-wing, moderate, you know, anti-HW, whatever this weird group of people is, someone could post something and it could be just offensive to any human and no one in their group cares to share it. Or it could be a really funny joke from Dave Chappelle or Family Guy or something, and they all start sharing it and laughing. Then as soon as it reaches people on the left, they look at it and look around, what should I say or do? And they wait for their priests or authorities to confirm, hey, look at this thing. It's funny. That's why you always see the same exact memes shared by the left, like that XKCD comic on free speech. Oh, my gosh. For, for those that don't know, it's this one where th- this it's a comic that conflates free speech with the First Amendment. It's, a, it's not. It's just so wrong. Or the one by that guy where it's a dude popping out of a well saying there's like a peasant saying we should improve society. And he goes, yet you live in society. Ho ho. And that's the the only ideas they share are the approved ideas that everyone else is sharing. Whereas you go on the right and it's like. Like I often mention, I think one of the best examples is gay Mary Dave Rubin hanging out with Orthodox Jew Ben Shapiro. Yep. Clearly, they don't agree, but they agree enough that we're people, we get along, we have to you know learn to live together. And so ultimately, going back to this poll, I, I, I think it's actually really fascinating how much I've been able to milk this one tweet in this longer <laughs> yeah, conversation. Yeah, no, it's a really good conversation. But I think I think I, 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 I think I kind of just figured something out, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, that's, it's just exactly what I said. A leftist posted, posted a poll that should have, for every, for every reason, shown QAnon to be more uh, dangerous than Antifa. Yeah. But it was Antifa. So that says one or two things. Maybe her followers really did think Antifa was, was more dangerous. I doubt it. Or they don't care enough to actually share it unless prompted by an authority figure. And she doesn't have the authority. She's not a big brand. She's not a Democratic politician. She's not a high-profile social justice warrior or anything like that. She's a low-profile one. But on the right, if it's funny, they'll share it. And everyone agreed, vote Antifa. And the only reason it went viral was because right-wing people did think that it was funny. That is interesting. It makes me wonder a little bit how many times left-wing people look at memes from left or right and think, you know what, that's really funny. I'm not going to share it, but it's really funny and I, I like it. You I, don't I, think they do? No, I don't. <gasps> really? Yeah, I don't. But, but, I think I think one thing that separates... what memes. Yeah, but we think they're funny. So so look, why is it that someone like me who could be a liberal my whole life, I mean, I was far left when I was younger, 
I, I've like I wrote a bunch of anti-government, you know, anti-war songs and stuff when I was a teenager. Listen to all this punk rock stuff. How did I then become liberal? And now here I am. You know, I hang out with people across the spectrum. I even have, I have friends who are far left. It's very difficult. It's very difficult. But no, now I'm looking at the election and I'm like, I think for these reasons, I got to vote for Trump. A lot of the reasons that Jack Murphy pointed out. How does that happen? It's very simple. I have a sense of humor. Right. They don't. I wonder what it is that makes a sense of humor. And I've thought a lot about this because I think it requires a lot more humility than they can have. And I think their religion makes them so stiff that they can't bend in any way. Otherwise, they just absolutely shatter. It, it wasn't this the moral authoritarian Christian yes. right? This you know? used to be the right wing in the 90s. And I remember thinking that it was boring because yeah. it was. And it now was it, kind of repressive and sad. And I didn't really like it. And then something happened. And all, all of a sudden, along comes, you know, Ben Shapiro. Mm-hmm. And all these videos start popping up on YouTube where it's like Ben Shapiro destroys, you know, college leftists with facts and logic. And it was hilarious. And it was a meme, and he laughs at it. And the funniest thing to me about Ben Shapiro is that he is super buttoned up, and even he can <laughs> laugh at this stuff. He thinks it's funny. He's yep. like, yes, make fun of me for telling you that my wife's a doctor, because they both time. worked really hard for that, and they have three kids and everything. Like, that's some hard work. I think to them. There, are, there are some people in the, in the anti-SJW space who can't take a joke. Oh, yeah. Who get super offended. Oh, yeah. But like I said before, it's like inverse proportions. For every, you know, out of 10 people, two people on the Trump side can't take a joke, but eight can. Mm-hmm. On the left, two people can take a joke, eight can't. So I, I you know, I, I often explain this to people. You go to a Trump rally, the worst thing that's going to happen to you is someone's going to insult you. Like if you, if you come in there and you bring anger and animosity, I mean, you can start a fight. I just don't see it happening. If you insult somebody or make a joke and mock Trump, people are probably just going to be like, I don't know, whatever, and they're going to ignore you. You go to a left-wing counter-protest and you even resemble anything so there was there was somebody uh at one event who was wearing a, a red hat because you know you know they make the the maga hats but they're parodies yeah so, oh i remember that somebody got attacked yeah because oh oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it was um i'm for, i'm forgetting the name it, it wasn't uh where was this i can't remember okay i thought i was gonna remember it was in berkeley somebody wore a red hat that said make bitcoin great again yeah I remember, remember that. That was when that lady was attacked. That yeah. was why she got attacked because she was wearing a red hat with white writing. That's it, dude. Yep. That's all it takes. Yeah, it's really funny because I see I, I've seen some some of these leftists wear hats that say "Make America Gay Again." Right. And I thought to myself, I saw this. They're gonna attack you for that. There, when I was in San Jose, when this is a really crazy story. We had we had Carrie Smith on just a couple days ago. She's a liberal voting for Trump. One of the things that changed her mind was she watched a video of a guy getting whacked in the back of the head with a bag. I actually filmed that. So, so weird. Yeah. So but, weird. But at that event, there was a man who got punched in the mouth, like in his face. He was bleeding mm-hmm. from, his, from his mouth. They just thought he was a Trump supporter and he was with the riot. Wow. So they, they just, the others, you're under fire, you're under attack. But any, anyway, more to, the, more to the point about a sense of humor. I watched Donald Trump at his rallies. Yeah. And I am a mature adult with critical thinking abilities. And I see him make a joke, self-deprecating. And I laugh along with everybody else. And, I, and my answer is being a funny entertainer does not change my mind on political opinion. At this point, however, things are so messed up. I certainly would never want you know, Biden or, or Harris or whatever. And Trump has done you know, better things. But I've never had a problem. That's probably why I'm 
So, some people try to argue I have Trump derangement syndrome, and it's the stupidest. Thing. I, I, I think it's the stupidest thing ever because I'm just, you know, there's some things I've been critical of, but I think he's pr- he's pretty much improved greatly in the past uh, year or so. But I think one of the reasons why I would personally say I don't, and why I don't care that much, is just because I have a sense of humor. Right. They, they don't. I think it might. Not, I think a sense of humor may actually be a symptom. Maybe it's critical thinking ability. Or, or confidence, maturity. I think it is. And, and like I was saying, I think that it is humility. And it's a little bit of self-reflection. And you have to be okay with not being perfect. Because like they say, if you laugh at yourself, like Donald Trump does, you will never run out of material. And you'll never be bored either. And I think that watching a politician who has a sense of humor about themselves is refreshing to people. Because yep. you watch people like Lori Lightfoot and Bill de Blasio and they lose. And Andrew Cuomo just looks like he hates his job. They won't ever take responsibility for anything. Right. And then they complain Trump doesn't. And I, for the most part, Trump doesn't. I would say for the most part, but there is a difference. He he does, he, he doesn't go as hard as they do. I mean, look, I'm not going to pretend, you know, that I'm some, some, you know, raging Trump supporter. I'm not. I don't think he's perfect. I, I think a lot, even a lot of Trump, Trump supporters recognize that for sure. But I, I've watched Trump make fun of himself for being orange. Yeah. And it's funny. I went to the White House for that social media summit. And I thought it was going to be like a round table sit down talking about serious problems in, in Silicon Valley. And I was actually asked what, what I hope to bring. And I said, a lot of conservatives feel that they are, you know, the only people being targeted in this way. And I want to, I want to add there's anti-establishment leftists who also, it's a lot less of them. It's predominantly conservative, but I want to make sure I can represent the, you know, the, the former Occupy people that a bunch of them got banned. There was like one day where 50 accounts just got purged for no reason. Ooh. Yeah, and there's some anti-war accounts that have been, have, have been purged as well. And so I was like, I want to make sure I can be, be fair and represent this in a way that can allow us to actually, you know, accurately talk about what's going on. Instead, it was Donald Trump doing stand-up. I'm not kidding. It's like a mini rally. It, it was stand-up. Yeah. It was brilliant stand-up. Everybody was laughing the whole time. He was self-deprecating, and it really tears down a lot of the things they say about him. When he addresses it in a humorous way, like when that, that one thing where he was like, the lights in here, they're making me look orange. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Everybody had laughed about yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. So did it change your perspective of him to go and listen to him talk about himself in that way? I've listened. I've been at Trump rally since he started running. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's I, right. When, when I worked for Fusion, I went to several dozen Trump rallies. And this is probably something else that, you know, inoculated me from Trump derangement syndrome. Maybe the most severe case. Maybe it, maybe I was overly critical in the past, whatever. But I met a bunch of Trump supporters. I remember I was in Florida. It was like Fort Lauderdale. And I was talking to this middle-aged woman. She said she never voted before. She was not registered with any party. She was independent. But Trump was talking about things she cared about. And she felt like it was anti-establishment. It was finally somebody who was talking back to the machine. It's interesting because there's similarities in the woke left and the right in terms of what they want focused on. Perhaps it's an issue of being right or wrong. Like the, the, the tactic is, is neutral, but the, the assumption. So what I mean to say is the left will tell you, you can't succeed because the color of your skin, because of your identity. Donald Trump will tell you, you can't succeed because the billionaire owners of the auto factory moved that plant to China because a bunch of politicians came in and they say, say no more. We know all of that because we experienced them do it. So you could probably say something like, if your factory is, is, it leaves your area, then you need to figure out how to start a factory, which is 
I'm, 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 you know, playing devil's advocate. Like, yeah. why don't you go build your own yeah, factory? Yeah, build your own. Yeah. But for these people, there, there was a specific issue that legitimately impacted the economy, and Trump, he, pro- he proved it. He started doing, you know, tariffs. He started securing the borders. He started dealing with immigration. All of a sudden, unemployment was dropping. Factories were coming back. This was all part of his plan. The economy was booming. These people voted for him because he said, here's the problem. And a bunch of them said, yes, we, we quite literally witnessed that, that thing happen. And this policy could change that. The left just says, you know, a multimillionaire black woman has less privilege than a homeless white man, which is nonsensical and subjective, moralistic and, and irrelevant to policy. Yeah, I have always kind of noticed this about him. And for all of the times I've facepalmed over something that he's tweeted, I have never, ever felt like he did not care what happened to American workers. Watching him actually engage, he is not the politician who goes and engages in fights with people who are supposed to be supporting him. That baffled me about Joe Biden. Like watching him mix it up with those blue collar workers in the factories. Yeah, look fat. I see why your wife (laughs) left you. What are you talking about? He doesn't want to win. I don't think he does. And watching Trump actually engage, it's like, he seems to care. He really does. I have this a really funny idea. Oh, yeah. Man, I would love to do some sketches. We're going to have, um, I don't know if you guys know who Ryan Long is. You should know who he is. He's oh, a very funny comedian. Yes. He's going to be hanging out here uh, next week at some point. But I, I'm just imagining Joe Biden is behind the, behind the scenes talking crystal clear. And he's like, you know, he's having a beer. And then he's like, he looks at his watch and he's like, oh, I, I got to go on. And then he like jams cotton in his mouth to like purposefully cause himself to slur. And then he goes out there and he, he purposefully just gaffs everything and fumbles. And then when he goes back behind stage, once it's all over, he just looks at his friends and they all start laughing maniacally like, yeah, it's, the whole, it's, all, it's all a bit. It's a they're they're, they're just trying yeah. to lose. He's insulting his own supporters. My favorite is that he's told multiple people not to vote for him. Yes. What? That's his crowning <laughs> achievement thus far. When My favorite was the guy who was trying to support him. He was like, you know, I see what you're, I can't remember exactly what he said, but he was like, I see what you're saying, but you know, if you don't want to do this, like, what do you say to these people? And he goes, then vote for Trump. And the oh. guy goes, no, I don't, I don't want to vote for Trump. I'm, I'm asking <laughs> a question. No, you go vote for Trump. Oh, okay. okay. All right. I guess I will. <laughs> I can't believe that he did that, man. Oh, yeah. Man. I'm, I'm feeling, uh, CNN, that CNN poll came out. Uh, yeah. 15 battleground states. Trump's at one point behind Biden. My goodness. And the margin of error is four points. That is quite the gap that he closed over the last, like, four days. What happened the last four days? Well, there's two big things. Yeah. Kamala Harris. Mm-hmm. She is unlikable. Yep. They, though CNN says, you know, 54% or I think it's 53% approve of the choice. And it's like, I guess a yeah, 47% okay. didn't. Yeah. Right. So how many votes are you going to lose? Last half full, but, man. But sure. Okay. I guess, you know, just over half support it. She, she, she takes the majority, but she's unlikable. That shouldn't raise Donald Trump's approval rating, but it should close the presidential polling gap between who you're going to vote for. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense. But for Donald Trump's approval rating, it recently spiked, according to Rasmussen, to 51%. And with, it, with a disapproval of 47, keeping in mind, it's only one poll. So this could just be static. However, Rasmussen was correct in 2016. I always try to preface this. I think it has to do with this massive ad buy Trump did. You don't think it's because of the DNC? That's what no, I was not, thinking. Not approval rating. Oh, yeah. Closing. So it, it wouldn't make sense that people would be like, Joe Biden is stupid. Therefore, I like Trump again hmm. or like or now I like Trump. What would make sense is that when you ask someone who you're going to vote for and they say Joe Biden, someone else says Donald Trump, you get, you know, Joe Biden, a 14 point lead. Then you show them the DNC 
And then they come back and go, can I change my vote? Yeah, I'm going to revise my options. Right. That closes the gap because not because they approve of Trump, but they prefer him. However, Trump's approval rating recently spiked, just according to Rasmussen. I think this is because of the major ad buy. What would make people say, I like Trump? They saw an ad from Trump about Joe Biden and they went, wow, I didn't know that. Right. And of course, the media is going to claim he's lying and none of it's true, whatever. Yeah. You know what, man? I I can't believe Trump recently came with that, that Goodyear thing that happened with the, the boycott. Yeah. Trump crazy. said, don't buy it. Then there was leaked audio. It's a crazy story. But I, I, I see I see this friend I have on Facebook and he just posts in response to Trump's post. He's like, I'm going to go buy Goodyear now. And I'm like, is that your life? If Trump says it, you do the opposite. That's all you do. Well, that's been working for the DNC, hasn't it? Well, maybe, but no, it maybe. Hasn't. Right, right. I, I think when you look at the polls, if you take it all at face value and believe the journalists, then sure. But I don't. I don't think so. I don't buy it. No, nah, not with the riots anymore. Not with the uh, all these people buying guns. Yeah, uh, you, you have to convince me that all of these liberals who went out and bought guns, and they did, they did in urban areas and like New York and LA, they went out and bought guns. That all of a sudden they're holding the weapon in their hands. And then the Democrat goes on TV and says, ban all guns. They go, okay, I just bought it, but sure, I'm going to give it back now. Yeah, let me like get that, let me get rid of the thing that I thought would protect me and my family when someone told me I couldn't have, you know, security around my house. It was luxury. Hmm. Before the riots, before COVID, people were like, yeah, the right. cops, cops take care of it. Yeah, it was a golden age. It was, I mean, I'm guilty of it too. I was, I'm, I'm not worried. We got, we got a local police department. The cops over there are really cool. I talk to them periodically. I think they're great and got nothing to worry about. And then the chaos happened and I'm like, mm, I'm going to go buy some guns and, you know, try to protect myself and take care of myself. And now, like, it's kind of been I, like Crowder asked me, uh, Stephen Crowder, he was said, would you now something, something like this? Would you now recognize that any law that would curtail your right to own those guns is a bad law? And I'm like, yeah, actually, yes. Yeah. When, when, when I didn't think I needed it, when I had the luxury and the privilege. Now, keeping in mind, one of the reasons I liked Bernie in 2016 is that he said, the divide between gun owners and those calling for gun control is urban versus rural. I thought that was really interesting. He used to be he used to be on the level, but I guess he sold out. And I think that he was right about that because I, people yeah. who live way outside of cities, they have legitimate reasons for wanting a gun. Like I was reading about Texas where these gigantic pigs would just run through people's yards when their kids were playing. Yeah. You want to ask why you need an automatic weapon? Well, if you have 30 peccaries running through your yard, I don't know about, I'm just saying. I, I don't know, know about automatic. automatic. You know, a, a big weapon, bigger right, than right, anyone right. in a city would dream of needing. Yeah. You want to make sure that that wild animal, because some people like we, Chicago has coyotes. Yeah. They'll I know. eat your dog. Yeah, they'll eat your cats. Coyotes are awful. Yep, yep. Yeah, so I remember this. Vi- there was that viral story about thirty. Was it thirty to fifty feral hogs? Yes. And then all these leftists started making fun of them, and it was really funny. You you see this happen quite a bit with urban liberals who think they're so much smarter than everyone else. They think if you live on a farm and you have a feral pig problem, you're a dumb hick. So they made fun of the guy. Turns out. 30 to 50 or whatever the meme was is, yeah. is quite a bit, but there is an issue where there are wild animals and you'll need to defend your, your family, your property, your chickens. Dude, I had chickens in Miami and I'm really angry because they kept getting killed and I feel really bad about it because it was my responsibility and I thought I did everything right. We actually had a caged area, up, up, but the, the, I don't know what it was. I think it was some dogs found their way in. Yeah. So we ended up, we didn't know what it was. Turns out it was the neighbors, the, the, the next house over, they had, they had a, a dog 
and it was it had a gang had other dogs so we set up a trap by the chickens and sure enough like at, like an hour after i put it up in the middle of the day we hear at the clank and i and, and my my uh, my brother's like dude there's a dog in the trap and i was like what i walked over and the dog was snarling and i was i talked him down and then i let him out and i was like i wasn't trying to catch it i thought it was going to be like some some badger or some kind of crazy critter or something so then when the dog, the dog ran out i followed it went to the neighbors and I was like, y'all owe me some chickens. Yeah, seriously. So I had no, I, I didn't know what the appropriate way to deal with the dog was. I'm not going to shoot a dog. You know right, what I mean? A dog's a little bit different. We had a bunch of skunks that would used to come through and eat our chickens. So we would trap skunks them. Skunks would eat your chickens? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, Anything man. will eat a chicken that can get to them. Like it's, it's a serious delicacy. Like it's not something that they're just going to let go I by. love those chickens. Those are my friends. I I'm know. mad. I, I, I love them because they were my first job. I raised them and I sold their eggs. I was 10 years old and I had a little bucket full of money that I had earned from them. They were very important to but me. But you, you could get foxes, whatever. Yeah. And so there, there, there's a divide there. And I've, I've always been, you know, kind of aware of that, especially when I lived on that farm in, in Miami. And I would try and talk to my liberal friends about, I, I had a friend say, there's literally no reason anyone should ever need a gun. And I was just like, that's just not true. That is simply I, and, I, and I would tell the stories, you know, about protecting yourself. Yeah. Well, we haven't even touched on the topic of how long it takes the cops to get to your house, because where I lived, there wasn't a police department. There was a fire department and we were about 15 minutes from the city, uh, about eight miles or something. I don't remember what exactly it was. There weren't any cops. So if yeah. someone breaks into your house in the middle of the night, you got to deal with things your own way. You might not have much of a choice if it's somebody really crazy. You know, and, you know, it's funny too about like Lori Lightfoot saying, you know, we need federal gun laws. What if they break in with a knife or a sword or a machete? Yeah. So, so your gun is banned. You're going to sword fight the guy. Well, this is what happened in London. They have very strict gun laws and they don't have a lot of gun crime, but they do have a lot of knife crime and people get stabbed in the streets all the time. So you think self-defense is important anywhere and Lori Lightfoot knows it and this is why she has protection well we should jump over to this next story because we kind of got sidetracked a little bit yeah quite a bit. check wow. this out there's some good news and I, I did talk about this briefly uh, earlier but I want to highlight this because there's something else happening too Facebook is banning Antifa accounts other groups promoting violence of course these woke lefties are screeching in in rage Facebook is treating anti-fascism the same as murder-linked conspiracy groups. Oh, no. You see, the original plan was to talk about the, the Twitter poll where Antifa was... And tie it with this. Yeah, and then, and then show you, like, they're actually banning these groups. They're taking it seriously. And then we went off on some other we tangent. We ended up but talking about talk- chickens. Talking about chickens, yep, mm-hmm. which is great. But this is actually really fascinating. It's not just that they're, they're saying Antifa is violent. Because now we're seeing Facebook do this. We've seen Teespring do this. Yeah. Twitter won't do it. You know, I, I guess they're, the Twitter Portland, the, the, the riots in Portland are being organized on Twitter every night. And they just let it happen. Mm-hmm. But uh, check this out. Fast Company says Facebook is quietly pressuring its independent fact checkers to change their rulings. What? As Facebook struggles with waves of misinformation, the company's political and business concerns are influencing its fact checking policies. You know what I think is actually happening? I think Facebook is realizing the fact checkers they've brought on are all politically biased and targeting information that would hurt them or offend them. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. We should actually go through this. Yeah. But they mention they, they mention specifically uh, Lila. Is it Lila Rose? Yeah. Uh-huh, Lila from, Rose. Yeah. From live action and abortion rights. And check this out. So, I mean, l- let me just make sure I get this, you know, make the point clear about Antifa for those that were tuning in for this. It's as simple as this. Facebook has begun banning Antifa accounts and other groups. I will. We will. We will get to the, the left bias. 
But I want to start by showing you this. They're changing their fact checking rules. You may have heard me talk about the story recently where I made a post about Bill Clinton being in 26 flight logs, Mm -hmm. then being ID'd by one of the victims. One of Facebook's fact checkers labeled it fake news. They said it was false. I complained. They refused to change it, even though it's all factually true. He, He was in the flight logs, not to the island, but he was ID'd on the island later. And now we have photos of him with a Vic. Bill Clinton is a, is a disgusting dude. Mm-hmm. So this is interesting now that this, this challenge is happening. And they specifically re- uh, reference Lila Rose. They say, the two-minute 40-second clip titled, Abortion is Never Medically Necessary, had racked up a few thousand shares since it had appeared weeks earlier. And it already stirred up a litany of outrage. The anger wasn't over the video's misleading title or its content, but because Facebook had slapped the video with a false label. A post-2016 innovation... The labels aren't placed by Facebook, but by harried subcontractors, fact checkers, and journalists and scientists who are fed a never-ending feed of potential misinformation. They can flag extreme misinformation for total removal, think dangerous coronavirus hoaxes, but mostly they place false or partly false labels on content, which gray outposts with a warning message and a link to an article explaining the fact checkers' reasoning. Fact checks bring internal penalties too, like limits on content distribution or on a page's ability to micro-target ads. In some cases, Facebook says repeat offenders can be deleted entirely. The video was notable because it had been shared by Lila Rose, the founder of anti-abortion group Live Action, who has upwards of 5 million Facebook followers. Rose, leery of restrictions on her page and handy with claims of big tech censorship, quickly launched a petition protesting what she alleged was biased by Facebook's fact-checking partner, a nonprofit called Health Feedback. Soon, four Republican senators, including Josh Hawley of Missouri, Ted Cruz of Texas, wrote a letter to Zuckerberg condemning what they called a pattern of censorship. They demanded a correction, a removal of all restrictions on Lila Rose and her group, and a meaningful audit of Facebook. Soon, the fact check labels were gone. A Facebook spokesperson told BuzzFeed News at the time that the labels would be removed pending an investigation to determine whether the fact checkers who raided this content did so by following procedures designed to ensure impartiality. A week later, its CEO was on Capitol Hill sitting in front of the letter's lead author. Zuckerberg admitted there clearly was bias in the live action Lila Grace Rose censorship. Senator Hawley tweeted after the meeting, said bias is an issue we've struggled with for a long time. Facebook fact checked Hawley's account. The spokesperson says the CEO only said it appeared there might be bias in the handling of the fact checks. Okay, okay. So they're trying to claim that Hawley himself was biased. But I think what's interesting that we're seeing here is the gist of the story. Changes were made to what they were claiming was fake news because the right pushed back saying it's not fake news. What we've been seeing on Facebook for a really long time, like in the media in general, there is a left-wing bias. Absolutely. I, you know what I think would solve some of this problem? I think if you administered the uh, moral foundations test to your uh, group of fact checkers, that you would be able to come up with a group of people that were different, who thought differently. And then like they do on Minds, you could come up with the jury and decide whether something's true or false or whether someone's saying this based on their own ideas. I'm biased. Yeah. Uh, I think you should only have fact checkers who register all f- all six moral foundations. All six? All six. You mean like conservatives too? That's an, but, but the way it's framed is an inversion of the actual issue. They say 
Um, for those that aren't familiar with Jonathan Haidt's moral, moral foundations, they find that conservatives have all of the moral foundations, which is, I think, what is it? Uh, um, sanctity, purity, authority, loyalty. Care and fairness. Care and fairness. Those, it's, yeah. It's, it's, I said liberty, right? Yeah, I think so. So the left only has care and fairness and libertarians only have liberty. They do have, they do register other moral foundations, but I think what you actually see is people who have balanced moral foundations, it's a correlation causation issue. It's not that being conservative makes you have all the moral foundations, but that people who have all the moral foundations tend to be Interesting. more conservative. Okay, yeah, maybe so. So the issue is, can you recognize someone else's understanding? Can you empathize and can you try and experience you know, uh, how, how they're looking at things? And I think the left right now does not. I don't think, the, the way Jonathan Haidt explains it is liberals only have care and fairness. I think it's actually that people who have care and fairness tend to align with the liberal tribe. Sure. Yeah. And then people who have all moral, all, all moral foundations tend to align with the right tribe. And that's probably a relatively new phenomenon because I have a decent balance across the board. And I flicker on the, on the test between like left liberal or conservative, interestingly, even though on the political compass test, I'm pretty left. Right. It's because I recognize that why you challenge authority, why you respect authority. I'm much more high on the liberty spectrum than authority spectrum. But I can understand, you know, the importance of things. And when you have a when you have a, a good footing in understanding why things are the way they are and why people feel the way they do, you're a better judge in, in, in any sense. So do you think that uh, applying a test like the Moral Foundation test would be good when you're choosing people to fact check something like Facebook? Yeah. Because that was my immediate thought. I was like, how can you solve this problem? Because like happened with you, it's obvious that they're operating from their own bias and something offended them or something troubled them. And it's like, it doesn't matter if it troubles you. I'm sorry. Sometimes the truth is troubling. Often well, the truth is troubling. The, the fact check on me was a trick. It was I, a grammatical I, thing. Well, it was a really, it's a really interesting conundrum. I said that a former president of the United States was recorded in 26 flight logs and, and now has been ID'd by a former victim as ha having been on the island. This should be breaking news. Journalism is dead. They're just, it's, it's just become political activism. What the fact checker said was he was uh, Bill Clinton. This is false. Bill Clinton was never in 26 flight logs to Epstein's island. Ah. I never said that he was. Uh-huh. I had 240 characters to make my point that he has deep connections to the man, and this should be news. So he added fake context I never said. Why? In my opinion, he was offended. I said journalism was dead, and he's this editor-in-chief of this little rinky-dink, you know, faction outlet that's been granted all this power by Facebook. And so he takes issue with it. So he takes my tweet, even though he knows everything it is factually true, or my opinion, and then puts a label on it and deranks the, the people who posted it, which is just totally bunk. His emotional reaction was not, temp he, he was not rational. Where's the sense of fairness, man? Well, I called the guy and no. he went, he exploded. He was yelling on the phone. I'm like, I'm like, can you calm down? I'm sir, sir, look where I, and he's just yelling, just yelling, yelling. So what happens when you get these emotionally reactive, unhinged people? They shouldn't be fact checking. They why would those not. people be in charge of who can and can't post on Facebook? That's crazy. This is why they're mad. That Facebook is treating Antifa the same as murder-linked conspiracy groups. Well, guess what? Antifa, whatever you want to call it, you know, it's 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 shorthand for the most part for these roving band, marauding bands. Indeed, yes, I great love word. That. I love that. That's Andy No tweeted. They said he called them. He called Antifa. He said Antifa was marauding 
And I loved that, like romping about stealing and looking for people to hurt. That, that explains it. I mean, the gist of it. But anyway, what we've had over the past several months with the ongoing riots fueled largely by Black Lives Matter and Antifa, there's 30 people dead. It doesn't look the same as fringe conspiracy groups or like extremist groups, but it, but it is in its own right dangerous and advocates for violence. So yes, they should be taking them down. They should have taken them down a long, long time ago. And we've been complaining, we as in like sane, rational people of all political, you know, for whatever reason, not the left, but like moderates, disaffected liberals and conservatives have been saying the whole time, like, why are you allowing them, these, these Antifa, to go around and, and post these things and they get away with it? It's, it's an organization that literally advocates for violence. CNN, I don't know if you ever saw the story. It said Antifa achieve, tries, aims to achieve peace through violence. Yes, I did see that. Remarkable. Indeed. And, you know, uh, today I looked up a definition and it was uh, the definition itself was uh, violence for the sake of political gain, often against civilians. Do you know what that word that that is defining is? Terror? That is correct. Terrorism. That is terrorism. There's, yeah, Stephen Crowder had a great video up. Uh, I don't know if it was today, what he called Mashable. Because they argued that he, they, they like passively argued that he, he, he made false statements about Black Lives Matter because he said Black Lives Matter is a terrorist organization. His reasoning, they advocate for violence. They've consistently engaged in violence. The riots they started resulted in many people dead. Politically oriented. They've, That's it. They've literally gone to businesses in Louisville and said, give us money, give money to our approved organizations or, and then someone smashed a flower pot in front of the restaurant. I'm like, the guy who owned the restaurant said it was Mafia Tactics. And it's for political ends. Yep. And so Crowder was like, well, there you go. Right? Yeah, he read her the definition. Yeah, but they, they still didn't. They said, we, we disagree with this. Oh, grow a spine. You, you're not, she you're has not, to say that. She's uh, no, the she editor-in-chief or whatever. So, you know, you come to me and you tell me, you ask me how many lights there are, and I'm going to tell you four lights. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's the reference from uh, Star Trek. I am not going to tell you two plus two is five. I'm not going to play these, these games. You come to my house and you say, we're going to tell you right now, defend this organization or you're done. And I'll say, then I guess I'm done because I have my limits. I'm not playing that game. Yep. I won't do it. Well, of course, Vice over here is angry that their extremist friends who go around beating people and shaking down businesses and generally threatening others to achieve political aims is finally getting banned. Oh, cry me a river. But here's what they do. They play this stupid game. In an apparent attempt to create the appearance of fairness, Facebook also took down the pages of prominent anti-fascist and anarchist news groups. News groups. Oh. Ideologies, which have been linked with zero deaths in the past 25 years. Quite literally, a dude, a a disgusting individual, went to a bar and shot a bunch of people up. I'm not going to say his name. And his social media was littered with pro-Antifa and far-left everything. You notice no one's talked about him since then. Exactly. Absolutely not. And they lie. They lie. They say Antifa doesn't exist. There's no such group. And then when you say they're a violent group, and well, but, but the group is linked to no deaths. I figured out how they did it. There was a tweet from that guy who was saying, remember, Q is much more dangerous than Antifa. Because in, my, in the course of my reporting, I have never found it to be the case that that's how they do it. It's <laughs> no, never the, been reported. They said, uh, um, I have not. F- this is really funny. I have not found any concrete 
you know, instances where Antifa has been linked to any violence or something like that. Uh huh. And Andy No said, is this some kind of sick joke? Yeah. Someone else pointed out, I wonder if the concrete was a dig oh, at Andy No. No, no, for real. Like, I know. Because quite, you, there's a major story. It was like in the New York Times, it was in, in the Wall Street mm-hmm. Journal. Andy No was pelted, beaten. He got a brain bleed. His ears were bleeding. Yep. His mouth was bleeding. June he of was last year. covered in milkshakes. There were reports that they were putting quickcrete in the milkshakes to make them denser and potentially burn. Right. And that may be, I don't know if that's true, but the police were warning about it. And then this individual says, I haven't found any, and they put stars, concrete, you know, <laughs> that you know evidence like or whatever. to me. So, and there's a New York Times reporter. So a lot of people were like, are you, are you like dog whistling? Like, you know, that, that to me, that does sound like a dog whistle because it's something that only people in your little group yeah. of, you know, Antifa buddies would recognize. It's a, it's a way that you could say Antifa is not violent and then look over to Antifa and wink at them. Yep. I know you did it. Congratulations. They, they straight up advocate for violence. Sure do. They, they literally say bash the fash. They make it Smash happen. The we watched it. We watched them drag that guy out of his truck. We watched them beat that gay guy and and the Chaz. And it's like, if you don't see a link, it is because you are not looking. It's not because it's not there. Or they're lying. Or yep. Or they're intentionally Man, blind. I don't know how we break through to people who. How do you how do you get people out of that trap? I love that everything is online now. I like that the videos are there and I really I think that that video that Trump just released with the ads where all these governors and mayors are talking about how peaceful the protesters with are ex- fire behind, behind them. them all of those explosions I was like they nailed it I think that's exactly what was needed right then and he buys this ad on the front page of the Washington Post mm-hmm. and it shows Joe Biden looking really dopey looking up like Ooh, and with Kamala Harris laughing and then their faces like come in and there's fires and vandalism and destruction behind them and some of these people like I mentioned earlier were saying things like well this is bad for Trump because he's funding good journalism and people are not going to see the truth there's a reason why these woke journalists were fuming outrage like their heads were going to explode because it works. Trump's approval rating going up. Maybe Justin Rasmussen, so we'll see what the aggregate is. But people don't know this stuff is happening. And they see this and they go, whoa, what is this? And they see the videos and I'm like, I didn't even know this was happening. Right. There's so much stuff that people don't know about. And that's what scares me. Because maybe we're in a bubble because we know. I mean, especially, uh, you know, all of you who are watching right now, you're watching, you know, we, we talk about this. And we break down and we show the evidence and we have we have an honest, you know, back and forth now with, you know, many guests. Right. And you have your morning update on all the riots in Portland. Oh, yeah. My now now Tim, Tim Pool's 80, update. Now I basically have created a new show every morning at 10 a.m. It's, you know, your morning riot update in Portland with Tim Pool. Yeah. Because there's always some, you, you know, I, I, I wake up sometimes thinking this will be the day. It will just be a riot with no relevance. And I'm not going to do a story. I'm not going to I'm not going to, you know, comment on it or report on it because it's just the riot, right? Like eventually the riot just becomes the riot. Mm-hmm. And it, we know it's happening. Kind of like, you know, if there was a flood and like a river formed, I'd be like, well, this river is, you know, ripping things apart. Eventually it's just the river. It's just there now. Just adjust to it. So yeah, yeah the people, have, but no, the escalation just, just keeps, keep, it, it keeps on happening. I mean, the, this morning, that guy, Keith Love, who got doxxed by 4chan, they found him out. He's like on the verge of tears, crying because he's gonna go to prison. And I'm like, there's an update. There's yeah. <laughs> you're sad for the oh, guy. Oh, <laughs> I'm so sad. I'm sorry, man. You know, I I will say I sympathize with some of these people because they are NPCs 
who were led into the fray by villains, you know, evil people who knew I can make them do the dirty work so I don't get in trouble. I do think that a lot of them are misled and I do feel bad for a lot of them. But I draw the line at feeling bad for someone who drags someone out of their car and kicks them until they're oh, of course. unconscious. Of course, obviously. What, what, I, I would say I feel bad about the general concept yeah. of these normies who are just told this is what you have to do. Right. And they're too stupid. And it is true that life ain't fair and they're not getting everything they'd been promised and they might have a lot of student debt and everything, but that's no reason to riot. I mean, if if you're dumb and someone's leading you along, that's... At least 50% your fault because you still have autonomy, believe it or not. Yeah. Let's uh, let's segue over to schools because yes. I, I did say I was going to talk about this and we definitely should because this story is oh, hilarious. Yeah, this is interesting. I have to bring this story up because they drag Ben Shapiro and Jordan Peterson as alt-right. Mm-hmm. Of course, the stupidest thing ever. And it is woke teachers. Look at this. The kids are alt-right. When your star pupil gets red-pilled. From Mel Magazine, teachers know the warning signs when students are radicalized by online hate movements. They just don't know how to stop it or if it's a power struggle they can ever win. How creepy is it that these people literally view the Enlightenment as a hate movement? Because they specifically reference Jordan Peterson, Joe Rogan. Oh, man, I got to read you this paragraph. They say, often it's hard for teachers to tell. Whether a student is being truly red-pilled in the sense that they're being radicalized online or whether they're parroting views that they've grown up with in their conservative households. Of course. Tessa, a 29-year-old in the Midwest who teaches 14 to 18-year-olds at a private school for students with learning impairments, says that while many of her students simply take on the talking points and politics of their conservative parents, this can make them especially ripe targets for full-blown radicalization and infatuation with far-right figures. Quote, A few started listening to Joe Rogan's podcast, which led them to reading Jordan Peterson's books. She said, I think that Joe Rogan's ideology is the biggest threat to critical thinking in the last decade. Stop. I got to Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Clap for that one. Seriously. I got to say stop, because if you think Joe Rogan is far right, that should tell you exactly how far left you are, because something is wrong with you. And And to say that he's the biggest threat to critical thinking... Nah. I love when, when the first time I went on Rogan, he goes, what do you think about universal basic income? Oh, yeah. And I was like, mm, not a big fan for these reasons. Like, yeah, yeah. But and a bunch of people were like pushed me. And I'm like, Joe's almost a socialist. Yeah. Like he's he's in no way right wing. Culturally, I think he's like centrist. And then economically, he leans left. I think he has common sense. And right now that makes him a little bit right wing. It's because they're in a death cult. Mm-hmm. And anyone outside of the cult is literally Hitler. That's a better summary. Wait, it gets better. They say, oh boy, there are some obvious warning signs that a student is being red pilled, though, like when they have a sudden and noticeable rightward shift in their views. When they specifically mention figures like Ben Shapiro and Peterson, who Olivia says her student loved. And when they use language that makes the online influence obvious, like Chad and Cuck. Ah, brilliant. The word Chad and Cuck. Yes. Evidence that your child has been red pilled. There's always been boys who ask, don't girls just lie about assault, though? And we do want to take those questions seriously. Furderber Furderber says, (laughs) but increasingly they're using language that sounds straight from Reddit. Reddit is super far left. Do they know? Do any of these teachers know what they're talking about? Because it doesn't sound like they do. If they think think Ben Shapiro is alt-right, 
they don't know the first thing about the alt-right right, or the first thing about Ben Shapiro. Well, I mean, as evidenced by everything they say, they clearly don't know anything and, and help us. They're teaching our children. Yeah. Well, not my kids. I don't have any kids. This so. should be a huge Take your red homeschool, flag. Homeschool your kids. Uh, there's a meme going around. It's funny. And it was like, if the, the left is calling this guy a Nazi and this woman a white supremacist, then you know you're, you know, they're trying to brainwash you. And mm-hmm. it was Ben Shapiro and Candace Owens. Yes. <laughs> like a Jewish guy who was the biggest target of, you know, white supremacists and anti-Semites, according to the ADL. And a black woman <laughs> literal orthodox jew tiny hat guy yeah yes not all right tiny hat guy not possible oh man when teachers notice the warning signs of radicalization difficult questions arise where is the line between shutting down these arguments and allowing kids to explore new ideas and when is the right moment to intervene okay look if someone's listening to jordan peterson i'm gonna be like cool yeah. Because he's a, he's a well-balanced guy. And, you know, he's been out of the scene for, for a little bit. If someone's listening to Joe Rogan, I would say, good. Yes. Because Joe is a regular dude. But you can see how radicalized they are. That's the crazy thing. What this article really says is, are your kids being pulled from the cult? We saw that thread. It, w- it was viral thread where a guy was complaining that parents now with virtual uh, classrooms would start to learn about what they were teaching their kids. That's terrifying. And they're indoctrinating these kids with these ridiculously insane curriculums on racial justice and this cult dogma, and they don't want parents to find out. Parents should know exactly what the curriculum is. Parents should be given the syllabus with all of like, here's the plan for the month, here's the plan for the quarter. Parents should be more involved than the teachers are. And I believe that 100%. And not just because I was homeschooled for most of my life. I honestly think, and I don't know if you guys noticed while he was reading this, but if you saw the ages of the teachers, I saw 34, I saw 29, and I saw 28. Millennials. Yes, it's always our fault. What happened to millennials? Dude. I mean, Gen Z is a bit split. Mm-hmm. I guess I guess everybody's a bit split. How weird is this? But you know what, man? I'll tell you, in 10 years... I, I, I'm, it, it's going to be in 10 years from now, I'm going to be telling stories about how I used to be a liberal and a Democrat and all that stuff. And then th- these young people are going to view it as one day I changed my opinions and became a Republican. When in reality is my opinions stayed where they were. The Republican Party just a lot like became the bigger tent. Yeah. The, the bigger, the, you know, for, for, for more people focused on individual liberty, rights, civil, ju- you know, social justice and all these re- like real social justice. And the left went insane. I would compare it more to like being on a hill. The blob of the Republican Party rolled downhill a little bit and it took you in. And the left blob rolled way off down into the distance. I'm confused by what your analogy is supposed My to be. My analogy mean. makes perfect sense. Okay. I'm sorry you don't understand it. So the whole thing Like it's shifted. like blanketing. Yeah, the, it's like a teeter-totter almost. I don't think uh, the Republican Party has shifted. No? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like I often talk about the wheel. How you've got far left and far right and the wheel can turn. I don't think the Republican Party did. I think the Republican Party became a bigger tent. No, I've seen the right. I've seen the right wing shift. I've seen a lot more. Maybe, maybe you're right. But I, I have seen it shift at least on topics like gay marriage. Because there was a point. I remember a point in my life where it went from being totally unacceptable to being this is the way it is now. But, but that's not, I don't think that negates what I'm saying. When you make a bigger tent and you bring in a bunch of liberals then what is the center of your party shifts a little bit to the left. It doesn't get rid of the people already on the right of your party. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, there's still a lot of people who don't believe in, you know, gay marriage. That's and, true. And 
LGBTQ I'm, rights and stuff like that. Maybe I'm just talking about my own family and my microcosm. They've shifted. They changed. I, I, I think it's fair, though. I, you know, I've mentioned in the past that Donald Trump is a Republican and he's the first president in U.S. history to be pro-gay marriage before going into office. Yeah. And I think, you know, uh, I'm not entirely sure about this. I know Barack Obama was was opposed to gay marriage the first in his first campaign. Before he was for it. Yeah. Uh, but I think he was opposed to it in the second run, wasn't he? At, the the first, I think. The first one, the not first the, the second one. The first part of his second. Uh, oh, yeah. So, yeah, so he ran twice mm -hmm. opposed to gay marriage. I think so. That's, I mean, I'm not going to blame Obama for that because, well, well, society changes, of exactly. course. Now, that's why I think it's silly when, um, you know, uh, was it Rick Rennell, is that his mm -hmm. name? He put out that ad where he said, you know, Joe Biden multiple times came out against gay marriage. Now, I can respect that. I get his point because Donald Trump entered and he doesn't have that on, you know, in his history. But come on, you know, look, Joe Biden changed. Yeah, times have changed. He's gotten with the program. He's changed his opinion. I'm more concerned about what he's doing now and his character now. I can respect, you know, Grinnell's opinion for sure. He knows better than I do because he is a gay man. But I look at what Joe Biden and, Kam uh, and Ka uh, Kamala Harris represent now. I'm concerned about the now, not the not the yesterday. Exactly. However, I look at Joe Biden's wishy-washiness, his flip, his waffling, and what the Obama administration did, and that does matter because they do have a history, and that's important. Perhaps you could say that Donald Trump doesn't, you know, because he doesn't have that history, it's harder to criticize him. It's his first time running for office and he became president. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it, that was a really funny thing. That's when amazing. He, he brought it up. I ran for president one time. Or I, I ran for ran public for office. office one time and became president of the United States. It's funny. So he has that advantage. But I look at the, uh, the Biden administration and the things they did. And that's why I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, none of that. None of that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not interested in that. The Biden Obama administration. The Biden Obama. Mm -hmm. Let's, let, let me read out the last paragraph because I mentioned the Proud Boys. I think oh, it's funny. Boy. They say, it can also be devastating for teachers to realize that despite their best efforts, some of their students might end up holding hateful beliefs long term, and many of them take it personally. Quote, my biggest worry is that they'll be stuck in that in their thinking forever and that they'll join the Proud Boys or something, Tessa says. I feel like I should be able to do a better job at teaching critical thinking skills, and they should have enough trust in me to believe that I'm telling the truth. Honestly, she adds, it makes me feel like I failed at my job. Well, you failed at your job for a lot of reasons. I'll tell you what, if I had to choose, if there was a little kid in front of me and they were like, you could say one thing, just one word, or you, you have two choices. He either grows up to become a proud boy or he grows up, grows up to become Antifa. And you can only, you have to choose. I'd, I'd rather that kid be proud boy. 100%. Because the worst thing about the proud boys is that they may be rambunctious and aggressive, but they don't start fights for the most part. It's like, another, I mentioned this, you know, several times now, it's inverse uh, proportions. Antifa almost exclusively starts the fights. Proud Boys tend to finish them when the fights start, but Proud Boys have started some fights. For the most part, if, if you leave them to their business, they walk around waving American flags and then go get drunk at a bar. That's totally fine. I don't care. Don't, you know, Antifa instigates and gets violent and goes and targets people. And that is not acceptable. The entire basis of the Proud Boys is kind of unserious. It's I, a it bunch is. of hazing. It's a bunch of gross, dirty, immature even, jokes. It wasn't meant to be anything crazy. How crazy? How how weird is it now that people have like tattoos and they it's, they take it seriously? That's funny to me. See, uh, to me, it's like the embodiment almost of a sense of humor. Whereas with For Antifa, sure. it's just dark. It's depressing. Like I don't I don't understand why anyone would want to be part of that because it's not exciting. It's not interesting. It's yeah. not fun. It's not like enjoyable. Well, these, these, these teachers are worried 
that these children may listen to Jordan Peterson and then become Proud Boys. That's pretty yeah, scary. Okay. Yeah, I sympathize. They, they, man. they may learn how to clean their rooms. Is it the worst? The worst thing you have to worry about is they'll start talking about lobsters and cleaning their room and carrying heavy things. I am not worried about people. Actually, I've said it before. I think Jordan Peterson's um, self-help ideology and things like that were an antidote to chaos. I mean, yes. that's quite literally the point of his that's book. What he set out to do. I, I look at it like this. I, I, I have a video on my main channel where I talk about this. I think our generation and the younger generations have no purpose, and that's creating two kind of like pockets. The people who are attracted, attracted to Jordan Peterson's message are looking for purpose, and he says, be responsible, find the heaviest thing you can carry, and carry it. You have to do it. And so people learn to become responsible for themselves. The other faction who hate him found a fake way to fill that, that void in their, in their soul purpose and meaning and it's intersectionality so right. he he's he's actually giving people meaning and purpose and it's harming their cult naturally they hate him that makes sense so i think when you tell somebody to treat yourself like someone you are responsible for that's i think that wow. if, if someone isn't that deep because yeah. to me that's really deep because if you have someone that you really care about you're not going to let themselves. You're not going to let them put themselves down. You're not going to let them be loose or sloppy or crazy or silly or overly emotional. You're going to help them be disciplined. You're going to help them see themselves in the correct light. You're going to guide them. You're going to really care about what happens but to them. But it's you. Right. That's interesting. That's, That's a crazy. good way to put it. I yeah. love that. And I think I think Antifa would be so much better off if you floated them that idea and oh, you didn't no. tell them who it was from. I wonder how many of them would actually think about that. I think they're unwell. I think they they, right. they don't take responsibility for themselves. They want, they want things to be provided for them. And that is just, unac it's unacceptable in my opinion. Yeah. I don't want to. take it too far. I don't want to think it's too late. I would like to think that there are leftists who think that some memes are funny. And I would like to think that there are some Antifa members who would consider treating themselves like something there are. responsible are. It's for. just like I said, that's inverse proportions, right? Yeah. So... On the left, you do have some honest personalities and uh, many of them, many of them. I'm not going to pretend like it's, it's you know, only screeching banshees or whatever. No, there's, there's, there's a bunch of good people on the left, uh, but I think there's too many bad ones. Yeah. There are ma many bad ones on the right, but there are many good ones. To me, it seems easier to be a person of character on the left and get more respect for it, at least from the right or from people generally, because... They're like four-leaf clovers. They're not everywhere. They're kind of special. Yeah. It's a little bit like finding a unicorn in the wild. It's like, I need to respect this person. Jimmy Dore, man. Yeah, Ryan like Tucker a Carlson. lot of those left-wing people. I'm like, I have huge respect for you. Jimmy is awesome. Yeah. Jimmy Dore is awesome. And I disagree with him on a lot of things. Right. I don't care if we disagree on stuff. But but he's 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 honest. Yeah. I think he gets some things wrong. And same thing with Kyle Kalinske and David Pakman. But I think they're, for the most part... Um, I think these are these are these are good dudes. Not perfect, but I think Jimmy Dore is is great. He recently went on Tucker Carlson and he said the Democratic Party is a pro war party. And yep. Tuck, and they're laughing about it and I'm like, This is awesome. Yep. It's Jimmy and Tucker laughing and and, and Tucker was like, I, I I appreciate you doing this considering the flack you're gonna get and, and Jimmy was like, It was worth it. Yeah, absolutely. That's great, that's great. All right, let's jump over to super chats. We're a little over. Yeah, we went over. How's it going, everybody? We're gonna we're gonna read super chats now, and uh, really appreciate. It. You know, we're just chilling. We're hanging out. We're gonna we're, we're booking to we're booking a ton of guests. We're already booked up for the next couple of weeks. It's fantastic. Oh man! Tomorrow, Brandon Strock of Walk Away. He's doing this big rally in Philly. He's gonna be here. I accidentally did this, but we ended up having this whole week of un DNC. Yeah. We had uh, you know Carrie Smith. She's liberals for Trump. 
Then we had Jack Murphy. He's Democrat to deplorable. Wrote the book on it. And now we have Brandon Strzok tomorrow who started the walk away movement. And all of them have their own like kind of unique view on what they did and why they did it. And it's the DNC week. So I think it's that is so apropos. It really yeah, is cool. the anti-DNC. So thank you guys for being here for the anti-DNC. Yes, but if, fun. You, if you haven't already, make sure to follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Parlor at TimCast. And you can follow uh, Lydia at Sour Patch Lids on Twitter and Parlor as well. Yes, and also check out my main channel over at YouTube.com slash TimCast. Don't ask me why, you know, YouTube does the naming conventions they do. But that's my main channel. And uh, you can subscribe there for videos every day at four. But we're going to read your super chat. So if you want to get some in, we'll try to read as many as possible. But um, we, 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 we don't we can't get to everybody. So my apologies, but we'll, we'll read a bunch. We will. We will read lots. We got one here from more rostral garbage. He says, hope you read this. It's interesting to me that I disagree with you on so very many things, but my moral foundations all over 60% with liberty being highest at 81 and purity at 72. If you start hiring fact checkers, let me know. Oh man, we are so close. I got the news. Yes. We are cleared for the upgraded space. The, the new facility is, it is on the verge of being done, finally. So now it's going to be like, we're going to be two weeks behind, which is really annoying. And technically we're months behind. Now we got the, we got to get the internet installed. We're in the middle of nowhere. And yes, fact checkers inbound. And this is going to be fun. Mike. 910 says, first time donator, long time viewer. Thank you both for having this show. I wanted to let you guys know, Tim, your views on homeschooling made it easier for me to pull my children out of public school and teach from home. I think that's awesome. I was homeschooled about half the time and I think public school was really good for me. So I, I went, I was homeschooled before kindergarten. My mom was, she uh, teaches, you know, she, she loves tutoring. So she taught me a bunch of stuff before I even started. I started kindergarten knowing multiplication and long division. And then I went to a Catholic school for the up until fifth grade. Then I did sixth, seventh, and eighth at public school. And then I went to like two months at high school and then stopped going and then did homeschool and never finished high school. And, and here I am. I think homeschooling, in my opinion, with a, when done right, is way better. You need to make sure that the kids, uh, your kids, are getting good social interaction. I do think there was a benefit to being in public school and Catholic school. 100%. I think there was, there was a, a real benefit to both of those in my life. However, I didn't spend, you know, 26 years in an institutionalized le- learning facility. I think kids should be around their parents. They will learn from their parents. They will be more like their parents. And you can be more in control of how they develop. When I see these stories of people going far left and then dis- disavowing their parents, it breaks my heart. But it says to me, you, you, you've got to be there for your kids, you know? Not uh, Zerife says, hi, Tim, any chance you could pro- uh, you could probably maybe consider the difference between the American far right and the European far right constitutional libertarian versus Nazi. And also, have you ever watched inspiring philosophy channel? I haven't. That's why I often say that the, the far right and far left are just kind of, I don't know, they're, they're defined differently. So that's why I really don't, I don't like using them, you know, far left, we understand. But when we say far right, it could mean a million things. Just look at the Anti-Defamation League. The ADL references far right like in four different ways. So that's a good it's a good point. But I, I think I think people are just going to have to look up the difference. I do think it's better to reference things, overarching values that we have in common with our European friends, like caring about liberty and caring about loyalty and care and fairness. They've, they've always been a lot further left than we they are. have. It's it's totally different. And it is a little bit arbitrary calling it left and right because exactly. we can agree on so much stuff and they're considered far right. We're considered, you know, whatever we are. Yeah. I don't know. 
Casey Day says, Dark Matter 2525 made a video saying you were far right. That's when I knew he had finally gone off the deep end. I'm still waiting for my fellow atheists to call out the growing religion on the left. If you're talking about far left and right in the, in the, in the uh, traditional sense of, you know, revolutionary versus reactionary or whatever, these still don't make sense, but that's the point of view they're going for. Of course, Tim Pool is a liberal. They, most of them know it. I love going to the Antifa uh, forums and they're like, Tim Pool's a liberal. We don't like him. We know what liberals are. But now that they're trying to redefine what the left is, that means people like me who are liberals, social liberals, who even have done documentaries on social justice and have talked about the you know, problems of systemic racism, not enough, not enough anymore. Why? Because I believe in liberty and individualism and they're collectivists. Jessica Burleson says, because teachers are spending time on this BS, kids can't pass standardized tests or read above a third grade level, but they are instead well-equipped to destroy society. And that is scary. That's basically but, it. Yeah. But yeah, that, that, that's about right. That's their focus. Super Bam Bam says, did anyone put Netflix sexualizing children on your 2020 bingo card? No, oh, man. Thank goodness. So I, I will mention this, too, because uh, I, I did a segment on this. So if you want to see it, go to YouTube.com slash TimCastNews. And I talk about the Cuties movie. A lot of people are assuming it is, it is about, it's like, is, is intentionally trying to put little girls in adult positions. And it is, don't get me wrong. But the movie was supposed to be a, a critique on this, apparently. So the woman who made it, my understanding is she was critical of how social media likes were driving prebubescent girls into acting adult and, you know, doing adult things. However, the actual marketing for the film at Sundance, and it's a French film, was was not little girls twerking, albeit I think the movie is still in poor taste regardless. And maybe poor taste is an understatement. But Netflix, well, they, they pulled the ads because it was gross and disgusting. I don't think they'll pull the mo- movie, but Basically, everyone is outraged. There's a meme going around right now where it's the political compass and the authoritarian left, libertarian left, authoritarian right, and libertarian right are all looking at Netflix and they were like, what is wrong with you? Seriously. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Cal K says, have you seen the new Call of Duty trailer that features Yuri Bezmenov talking about how communism subverts nations? It's an eerie parallel today. I didn't, but I did see the spoof they made with actual footage from the Antifa riots. Samuel Farmer says, in the past, you've complained about the U.S.'s lack of community. With corona and people having to find new ways of doing things like, ex, uh, like for example, school pods, if more like this happened, do you think that corona could be a blessing in disguise that could fix the U.S.? I did say this before. I do. I have thought that, yeah. too. I think there are so many silver linings to coronavirus. It's opening a window. You know, God closed the door, he opens a window. Yeah. And so these pods, homeschooling, these are good things. And I think all of the, the insanity we're seeing from the far left could be the natural process by which we recognize the left going too far and it causes a rubber band effect back to the center. Maybe. I think you're right. I'm being, I'm being hopeful That's one about of it. the silver linings. Marcus Johansson says, what do you think about Ayn Rand objectivism Atlas Shrugged? I have not read Atlas Shrugged. I know the gist of it. I'm not super familiar with objectivism except for how it kind of relates to libertarianism. Are we, you- were, we were talking about it last night and Disclaimer, I have not read Ayn Rand. I have not read Atlas Shrugs. I will say that I think that objectivism, from what I understand of it, is too simplistic. I think it's too binary. I think it's too easy. And I don't like things that are easy. Life would be a lot simpler if I did. I can say, however, that the video game Bioshock is awesome. Is that based on her? It is, right? It's kind of. Yeah, it's like, it's, 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 I would say it's inspired by, you know, 
ultimate laissez-faire free market or objectivism. I mean, the bad guy is literally Atlas. That's fascinating to me. Yeah, it's a 20-something year video game. But the general idea is this dude builds his own city underwater, gets away from all the laws and regulations. Yeah. Interesting. Dude, Bioshock is an amazing video game. Definitely check it out. And then they did uh, a couple sequels, and then they did Bioshock Infinite, which I guess was supposed to be similar in the sense that they took this idea of objectivism and then built a world around it. And then Bioshock Infinite is like American exceptionalism. So this is called, it's a city called uh, Columbia. Liberty, you know, it's in the city in the yeah. sky. And yeah, it's ex- That's excellent. Very cool. Awesome video cool games, man. Cool premise. Let's see. Conrad Wright says, can we get some hype? Smash that like button. Yes. Spin that UFO. We will, we, we, we still appreciate Tim's work. Yeah. Well, Lydia, you can spin the I UFO. I need to do. Dr. Lich says, Tim, have you seen the new movie being promoted on Netflix called Cuties? Yes. He says, I'm telling you, dude, out of all the issues right now, uh, the right tolerates this. uh, Wait, wait, hold on. I'm telling you, dude, out of all the issues the right tolerates, this stuff hovers the line. Nobody, nobody needs to tolerate this, whatever this movie is trying to be. And if it is a critique on culture doing this little girls, I don't think they need to actually make a movie with prepubescent girls actually twerking and doing that stuff. They went about it the wrong way. Well, then Netflix definitely did. Yeah. What were they thinking? My they didn't realize what the goodness. film was. They were like, I know, let's put a bunch of little girls in these poses. This Whoa. seems fine. My goodness. Yeah. Man, it's getting Tone dirty death. out there, man. Read the room, Dark. man. Jeez. Steven Velasquez says, Trump's strategy is to play 4D chess. The DNC strategy is to throw the darts on the floor and run out of the room screaming, Trump cheats at cards. Yep. Yep, that sounds right. Yeah. A crafty Huragok says... Can you please do a story on the Three Gorge Dam? It's having its uh, it's having its five fifth flood in three to four weeks, mostly farmers displaced and fifty five million food shortage uh, coming in China. Definitely, we'll, we'll 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 put that on the list. We'll keep track of it. Cal Brooks says, "How do y'all fee, uh, how do y'all fee feel about feel? that new show on Netflix called Cuties?" Okay, so oh, yeah. definitely, you know, we've got a it's lot on of everyone. Yeah, mind. I think I yeah. think we've been very critical of it. John Bassett says, "True or false?" If we have universal mail-in ballots, USPS, which the union has officially endorsed Biden, if the count takes too long, 12 p.m. January 20th, Pelosi will take the seat of the president and the Democrats automatically win. I don't think that's true. Um, if Pelosi wins and she's, you know, uh, confirmed the, the, the congresswoman, I believe she will become president. Yeah. But if the whole election is jammed up, including, you know, her election, then it would go to, I think, Chuck Grassley. But I'm not entirely sure. I'll tell you what, though, if they pull that off and it goes to Pelosi, woo, that's when the, the, the bar breaks. It's just the line snaps. You know what? I've said that before. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm sorry, man. Maybe conservatives will just say, well, you know, I'm not going to do anything. My question from this is, is 2020, 2021 going to be even crazier than 2020? That makes me a little yes uncomfortable no you're supposed to yes. say no i think it will be i'm not saying it'll be worse though if trump wins it'll be like a rebuild from from covid and stuff like that yeah. and i think he'll do a good job all right let's let's see what we got here samuel farmer says have you read will chamberlain's article against peacetime conservatism from human events i think he might have a good solution to the college problem and i would like to hear your thoughts will is awesome um, we are trying to get Will here. He will be here at some point. I'm not entirely sure when, but soon. We have a date. I, I, you know, Will is the person who's appeared on my main channel as a guest more than anyone else. He's great. Yeah, I think I think I've done, like I've done maybe ten interviews on my main channel, and five of them are Will. 
Yeah. Because he's a, he's a, he's a smart, regular, you know, just like um, well-spoken, intelligent, conservative guy. I find and him lawyer. to be correct on no, those he's a, things. He's a lawyer. Yeah. So I'm like, I need a legal opinion. What do you think? And you're a Trump supporter. So, so we're definitely going to have him in. Um, for those that are familiar, he runs the website humanevents.com, and they do a bunch of really great think pieces. So one of them is against peacetime conservatism. I haven't actually read that, but he also has his, I think his catchphrase is seize the endowments. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Yes, Ta- it is. So do you, do you want to explain? So seize the endowments is he's, he thinks that we can solve most of our problems by getting into the uh, colleges. And he thinks one of the ways to make college a little bit less um, lucrative for the people who capitalize on them is to just seize the endowments. And he's 100% that's money. like the money they have. Yeah, that, that's the money that they get. They're basically subsidized, which is half yeah. the reason that college is as expensive as it is. Yeah, well, they're charging everyone full tuition right now, even though they're virtual. I know. How does that racket work? Mm-hmm. Matthew Werner says, hey, Tim and crew, this whole thing about white fragility is a potent topic in the game industry. SJW professors and activists have created a toxic radioactive environment. Diva like myself, uh, uh, we're fighting. We're fighting back. Yes. Tatalango says, you see these dictators on their pedestals, surrounded by the bayonets of their soldiers and the truncheons of their police. Yet in their hearts, there is unspoken fear. Winston Churchill. Wow. Bill Bennett says, people are no doubt leaving Chicago en masse. My family lives in the northwest suburbs, and a house for sale will be sold in one to two weeks at the most. Really? Wow. Oh, so they're, they're jumping to the suburbs. Azazel the Fallen says, guys, please consider taking a break before November. We're going to need you in tip-top shape after the election. Listen. Not only do I wake up every day at around 7 a.m., start work. I basically, as soon as I wake up, I'm reading the news. And then I start pulling uh, articles. Lydia is also sharing articles with me. So work is, is nonstop. After I finish, finish all of my main segments early in the day for my two channels, then I go and exercise. I go skate for about an hour, hour and a half. Then I eat food. And then I come here to work again. Mm-hmm. And it works. I'm not overdoing it. I'm wired. I talk too much. I can he, talk he forever. He seems to be enjoying himself. I think it's a good balance. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm making sure that I'm maintaining physical activity and, and, and keeping my stamina up. The exercise is key. It really is. Yeah, you're keeping your brain sharp. Yeah, well, people, you want to know the secret to success? It really is exercise. because It's, it's that old um, story about there are two guys and they're lumberjacks. They're challenged by their boss. Whoever chops down the most trees gets a bonus. They both go out. One guy sits down. The other guy starts hacking away at the trees as fast as possible. The guy sitting down pulls out a rock and starts sharpening his axe. Eventually, the guy hacking at the tree, his axe dulls and he's struggling to even get through any trees. And the guy with the sharpened axe mows it down and wins. By being patient and preparing, he ended up winning. So it's just, a, a, you know, it's meant to give the, the advice being given is if you keep your body sharp, you'll have more energy. You'll be able to do way more and succeed. You can cram more work in the day. I sleep. Probably I should sleep more. Yeah. Yeah. I should sleep more. I go to bed like at midnight. I'm getting enough sleep. It's fine. Black Dragon says the left likes to talk about how much Wall Street has hurt our country, but it seems like journalists and activists are doing far worse. By the way, the new Call of Duty trailer wants to know if you've heard of Yuri Bezmenov. I I definitely have heard of Yuri Bezmenov. And people keep sending me that now, too. I think it's cool. I I think it's great. yeah. Yeah. But that's. Let's see. Eagle 99 Falcon says, Tim. The word that seriously has stopped, has stopped speech, which is considered intelligent. To your credit, you have always passed by that aspect when reading various news articles. Thank you. I'm not sure what, what, uh, what, what, what uh, word that is. What is I that? I don't know. I don't you know. don't have any filler words. 
I've oh, I definitely do. You. You ha- okay, you have a few. Yeah. But when you're reading through and commentating on your articles, you're very much quick I try to not um, awe and, yeah, you know. Yeah, But, pe- like, recently I've been saying you know too much. And I know, you know. You do know. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know. All right, let's see what we got here. Non-Servium says, there is no cleaning these cities. Every time they will rely on outvoting you because universal voting rights would work if everybody was contributing. Yet in every single conceivable scenario, there is very few. Felwyn says, you both say gun violence and knife violence. It's buying into the authoritarian left's attempt to control you and the debate. It's not about tools. It's about the cultural and economic drivers they don't want to debate. Very, very good point, And I agree. I agree. Try to do a better job of that. I suppose that we were trying to point out is if someone like broke into your house and they had a knife. I'm referring to knife violence in London as someone will walk up to you and stab you with a machete. That is violence with a knife. I mean, yes. I don't. I guess I don't really know how else to say it. But that's a fair assessment. Hmm, interesting. Uh, Tiy991 says, "Tim, NICS delays means someone with a similar same name as you committed a no-no crime." Interesting. Oh, yeah. Hmm. I mean, my name isn't the most common, but it's not particularly unique. I feel bad though, because you know, I, I can't remember who wrote this. I think it was who wrote it was Vsauce. I think. Are you the? Lydia, you know what I mean? Oh no, I'm definitely not. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so my Are name you is the Timothy. Tim Pool. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. So he, the, the point I was making was like, your name is, you know, John Smith. Are you the John Smith? Meaning, mm-hmm. if someone Google's you, do you come up? I Fortunately for me, I do. <laughs> but there are a couple other Tim Pools, and they have Twitter accounts and stuff, and like people tweet at them. And it's I was going to say, do you think it takes longer for people who have slightly more common names to get a background longer? check done? Yeah. Maybe that makes sense. You know. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe I should. I don't know. Hmm. I can't change my name. What am I supposed to do? Maximum Casey says, I lost a friend to TDS in the last year or so. I watched him get more and more indoctrinated by the lies and smears. And he says, I've been corrupted by Trump. He once stated that Trump being president affected his and his family's health. Look, you know, this is true. Trump does things that will negatively impact people. I, I always just tell my friends, I've worked in all these nonprofits. No matter what you do, you will help someone and you will hurt someone. The goal of what we do is try to maximize the help. However, everyone disagrees on what is maximizing. Yeah. So the simple way to put it is sometimes you hurt bad people. Like arresting a criminal, it's bad for them. It hurts them. No matter It's their family too, for sure. Right. Well, too bad. They were hurting other people. So you're stopping them. You're helping the people who are innocent and you're hurting the person who was doing something wrong. Right. In which case, Trump could do something good and it would be really bad for some people's families who did nothing wrong. You know, changing policies can have a negative impact on people, and they are going to go full TDS if that happens. Yeah, especially in a country this big. Yeah, so it, it, it's a bummer. You know, that's why no matter what you do, you're never going to be you're never going to be perfect. You're, you're no president is ever going to be perfect. You're not going to make everyone happy. Yeah, that's for darn sure. It's so insane to me that the New York Times can show you that Donald Trump is not far right. That Pew Research can show you that Donald Trump is not far right. In fact, Vox.com progressives can say Trump is a moderate. And they will call someone far right for saying they will reluctantly support him. It's like, no, I'm center left. Okay. I think Trump has done enough good things. All right. I'm probably going to vote for him, especially because of the riots. Net positive. I am not a Trump supporter. I am not wearing a beanie. You know, I'm the MAGA beanie. I'm not going to wave any flags like that. It'll be an interesting conversation tomorrow with Brandon. But that is far right. These people have lost the plot completely. Just totally insane. Jaskaran Singh says, Nancy Pelosi in a MSNBC interview said, whether he Trump, whether Trump knows it or not, he will be leaving the White House. Whoa. 
The conspiracy that should be heard is that they might pull a JFK. Yikes, man. That's creepy. That's Whether he knows it or not. About. What is that supposed to mean? Yeah. Let's see. Skeleton King says, I just sent you a link on Facebook. This is uh, what they're going to put in the schools. I think I saw the, the, uh, the there's, you, there's like a leaked database you can download oh, of the school curriculum. Yeah. Ooh. Christy Goddard says, I felt threatened by Michelle Obama when she said the violence will stop if we vote out Trump. And the DNC repeated it, which makes me feel like the Cuban restaurant owner being extorted, uh, extorted by BLM. Yeah. And Hillary Clinton said it. Remember? She did. That was we'll, a long time ago. We'll bring back civility, you know, once yeah. we win again. Oh, That's man. a threat, man. That is a threat. James Hanold says, Laura Loomer said when she sent out texts sharing Matt Gates and Roger Stone's endorsement of her, that Comcast had an error assigning a sensitive information warning to her text message. Dirty tricks. Whoa. Interesting. That is so creepy, man. Well, she'll, she's, <laughs> I think she's going to win. And that will be the reckoning for all of these companies. And that's probably why they're going to ramp up their efforts to stop her for sure. Yeah. Ken W. says there's a war going on between woke Baitswas who fix anime characters Versus anime fans, check it out. Hero Hayes YouTube channel, and maybe he might be a cool guest to have. Cool. Oh, Definitely check it yeah. out. Sergio Gutierrez says, first super chat, keep up the good work. Appreciate it. Will do. John Marafa. He says, even my liberal mother, who is a retired hairstylist, says there's nothing that can be done to improve Lori Lightfoot's hair. Bravo, good sir. I was right. Let's see. I think we did read those. Secret Sirens says, I grew up on 63rd Street from Central to Western. Lori Lightfoot doesn't care if they wreck the hoods as long as they leave her rich friends alone. Yes. And Secret Siren, I, uh, I grew up on uh, just, just near Vidum Park, which is a few blocks from Midway Airport. So you probably know where that is. But I did live over by 60, 63rd and Narragansett, which is, is Narragansett? Is, I could probably say a better street, but Narragansett, you probably know where that is too. Very, very close to where you are. We'd be on 63rd and Central all the time. And you've probably been to Archer and Central. You know where the 7-Eleven's at. That's where I used to go all the time. So shout out from shout out to Chicago. Let's see. Chaos Smite says, these Hollywood elitists and politicians better study the French Revolution. They will be the first targets. I think a lot of the, uh, the lefty Antifa people are going to be the first targets for real. Yep. Because they're people the ones- on the ground. The people on the ground are the ones who fomented the revolution, the biggest threat to the people who end up taking over. So whatever far left faction ends up actually seizing power, they're going to be like, get rid of the revolutionaries first. Of course. The people who mind their own business and hide in the, in the houses are not a threat. Right. It's the people on the street smashing things, demanding things are a threat. And it's also really fascinating. These Antifa people aren't actually doing anything other than destabilizing. So what do you think happens when they destabilize it enough that the far left takes over? They don't want destabilizing agents in their streets. And now they're Who authoritarians in charge. Sense, yeah. David Wilson says, Tim, people are freaking out now over COD Cold War game because the, uh, they use Yuri Bezmenov interview and are comparing it to things happening in current day. I mean, that's why Call of Duty is cool, isn't it? Timothy Peterson says, you've told uh, viewers to get a mix of media. I watch you after work and I get leftist material all day from ESPN radio. Worldwide leader of woke. Yikes, man. Yeah, um, you know, I often tell people try and uh, get a mix, you know, mix up your, your your media so that you're not only watching me or something else. But it is a good point to say that if you're only watching me on YouTube because you're being inundated with mainstream media every other point of the day, I guess that's actually a fair point that you're getting, you know, a, a mix of media. Bombchus says, because of my job, I travel almost the entirety of Southern Illinois. I have seen three Biden signs and about and about three hundred Trump signs. If Illinois turns red, uh, it, it, I swear, I am. I think it'll be one of the funniest things ever 
if we see a 49 state landslide? I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not convinced it's going to happen, but I think maybe. I will really enjoy that. And I would just say we'll deal with the fallout in the morning because if it's decisive and it's all in on the night of the election day. We need a 49 state landslide because we need to show that this country is actually unified. Yep. And if everyone stood up and I mean, everybody, if, if, if people who normally don't vote all stood up and voted, whoever they voted for would win. Non-voter is the biggest voting block in this country. Yeah. So if they all voted and they all voted for Trump, then that would send a message to all of these creepy cultists everywhere. And they will absolutely have no choice but to drop their their violent cult ideology. The support for the riots and all this stuff would be gone overnight. I would say this is an excellent argument for not being afraid and for being willing to stand up for what you really think. Donald Trump did not deploy feds to all of these cities. And these cities are allowing the rioters to do their thing. They're releasing them. And that is the most important point. Trump is not a fascist. He is a moderate, according to Vox.com. I'll take their word for it. They're progressives. Mm -hmm. The New York Times shows us where he at. So look, I get it. Let's see. Maximum Case says, uh, Carlin did a live stream with Shuanhead recently, and I definitely recommend checking out the video. Cool. Will do. Well, my friends, it is 10.07, which means it is time to go to bed. But we're going to be back tomorrow with Brandon Strzok, the founder of the walkaway movement, to cap out the week. He's actually doing a big rally in, uh, in, in Philadelphia on Saturday. And for those that are big fans of Adam, he is going to be at the rally as well. You can check out his content over at uh, youtube.com slash adamcastirl, and he's going to be there on Saturday. So it's going to be a really, really interesting thing. I'm going to be here working. He's going to be speaking, right? Yeah. (gasps) I'm excited. (laughs) Yeah, that's cool. Congratulations. You know, I'm excited. So uh, yeah, make sure you follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Parlor at TimCast. You can also check out my main YouTube channel, youtube.com slash TimCast, and I am like less than 20,000 subs from breaking 1 million and I'm really hope to I hope I'll break 1 million before they ban me which I think I can pull off with your help so go to my channel subscribe if you haven't already and of course you can follow at sour patch lids lyds on Twitter and parlor and we will be back tomorrow at 8 p.m. live we'll have clips up throughout the day thanks so much for hanging out had a good time with you guys tonight and we will see you all tomorrow with Brandon Strock of Walk Away all right bye guys <laughs>